Cocoa Talk would like to thank its patrons, the real sponsors of our show. So a very warm thank you and gratitude go to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., and Tom S. Thank you very much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Coco Talk. We're here with you on episode 147 with special guest host Nick Marota. Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Would you like to find out who won the Game On Challenge this week? I know I would. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. And we're live. Hello, everybody. So the winner was Nick Marentes. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Great, great show. Great show. show. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's <laughs> all we're here for. It's just the winner, right? Uh, actually, it's not the winner. Well, we will tell you the winner in, in an upcoming hour. Um, anyway, I'd like to say, uh, do a quick round of introductions. I'm going off my own participation list, which may or may not align with the squares. Uh, so let's start off with David O'Connor. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here from the land down under. Did uh, did you smile when the man gave you a Vegemite sandwich? Absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> Apparently, that's that's a requirement. Uh, yep. Next up, we have our resident gaming encyclopedia, Nitrous Nine fanboy, and just all around nice guy, Curtis Boyle. Just wait, I'm still playing Donkey King. Hi, everyone. <laughs> oh, trying to top your score, huh? I don't think he's that nice. Uh, oh, he's Canadian. That, that just, that's just by default. All his Canadians are just awesome. No, nobody's perfect. No. <laughs> he's nobody. Next up, we have the man who puts the T in TDP, Terry Stiggy. Hey, everybody. How's it going? 
Kid, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good I was flipping through a rainbow the other day looking at ads, and I kept seeing TDP uh, stuff, and it kept ma- kept bringing you to my mind. You're, <laughs> you're Mr. You will always be Mr. TDP to me. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you will always be. Next up, we have, I'm not sure what his favorite computer peripheral is. It may be a floppy drive. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> David Ladd. Good day, everyone. I'm so glad to be here, and I hope you're all ready for today's show, because I'm certainly ready. And Curtis is making some funny eyes. Um, So so, you're still talking. Go ahead. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to kick your butt at Cocoa Fest. Um, Here comes the talk. It uh, never happens. Oh, we'll see. Uh-huh. I got a size 24 boot ready to go uh-huh. someplace. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, if you do, make sure you stream it. We can make it like a pay-per-view event. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for being here, David. Uh, next up, we have our chat moderator and super nice guy, Mark Overhoser. Hi there. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, next up, we have... I don't know if he's the best or the worst of the brothers, but Jason Reichard. You know, I, I think I may have made a serious error this week. I, I've been I've been playing Buzzard Bait all week. We were supposed to play Donkey Kong. I I, I got that one mixed up. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least if you're going to play a Joust game, play a decent one. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and the battle continues. <laughs> Let me tell you why bait. you're wrong. Oh, I wanted to mention too to Jason. I was actually I was looking through the old world, the six to eight micros from when uh, Frank Swigert first started them early this week, doing some research. Mm-hmm. And the first issue has a check balancing program you wrote. Um, there was a program in there I wrote. I don't remember which one it was. I thought it was um, or database. Uh, you know something what? It's been like so that. long. I, I, I think I had like a, I think I had like a phone database, and then I think later I had like a, a videotape database or something like that that were was in there pretty early on. So, so I should introduce you as accomplished a author, publisher. Jason, is what I'm going to call you now. Yeah. Published author, yeah. Published, published author. author, code laureate, Jason Picard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks That's for being here. Code laureate. There we go. It's a new title. Thanks for being here, my friend. Uh, next up, we have John Laurie. Hey, everybody. 62 days, 9 hours, and 50 minutes until Cocoa Fest. Woo-hoo. Hey, hey. So you're expecting no traffic delays. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Um, now we have one of our other guys from down under, Mr. Nick Morentes. Good day, everyone. Ready for another show? I'm not. <laughs> stop I thought you were going to say ready for another Photoshop, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be having a new segment later on with Photoshopping with Nick Morentes. Uh, please uh, speak to me. I can't speak create, your, create your own high school. <laughs> <laughs> Don't waste teach, time. Teach your way to victory. Thanks, That's right. for, thanks for being here. Uh, next up, we have our wonderful uh, person who conceived of all this mess, Mr. Steve <laughs> Strobridge. Thank you. You're that too is cat. a beautiful thank hat. You. There, thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's good to be here. Is that your 20s flapper hat, or what exactly is that? This is my hamcation souvenir. Got to keep your neck from uh, getting red there, right? Absolutely. 
All right. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I meant physically, not met, not to mentally. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I, I don't know what your political persuasion is, and I'm not. Gonna... I don't get it, man. What are you saying there? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't prevent the space from getting red is line. <laughs> 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 Thanks. Thanks for being here, Steve. Uh, and, that, and we also have with us Brian, the music man, Shoebring. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Another episode of Coco Talk has me on it. Hello, everybody. <laughs> That's the highest praise we can say. Coco Talk. Brian Shoebring is on it. <laughs> That's so sad. What is that sound? Wolves. Oh, okay. Wa- Sounds like a Hawaiian guitar. It almost sounded like the uh, part of um, the door song. But we're moving on with the intro. Yes. All right. Finally, Ryan Weasler. Hello, all. Welcome to the show. Welcome. I'm glad you're all glad you guys are all here. Well, we couldn't do it without you. Well, I guess we could, but it'd be a lot less uh, fun and really sad. So thank you all for being here. And um, so I think we'll first thing we'll talk about. So last week, uh, last week's show. We tried a bit of a, uh, some tweaking, some different formats, and we're kind of interested to hear from the panel and maybe chat, you know, what you guys thought of the, uh, we sort of broke up into segments with different hosts, and uh, apparently we did pretty good with views last week, so we're just kind of interested to hear, uh, you know, what you guys think. Are we on the right track with the changes we're making? Um, what do you think? Last week was a really good show, I thought it was it, it, the the initial plan was to go for hour segments, but then the whole uh, thing of um, if it went a little bit longer because it was interesting or it wasn't quite, you know, it was, we ran out of stuff beforehand, so we cut things short. I thought that worked really well. It was uh, improvisation on a plan there, and it worked. Yeah, and one thing we're going to do is we're not also, we're also going to go the other way. We're not going to force it. If, if, if the segment is sort of slowing down, then we're not going to be afraid to sort of, like, we want to keep the show as interesting flowing. as we can. Yeah. So we're going to be a little more dynamic with that, whether it goes quote long or quote short, because there's no real target um, other than the overall show length. So, uh, okay, that's thank you for that feedback. Anybody else? Nick, uh, Nick just admit that we don't know what we're doing here. We fly by the seat <laughs> of our pants. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I do like the segments. So I, I do like the segments myself, uh, and and having the guest host for each hour type thing, so it's not all on one person to do something. I think that yeah. really helps. Plus, we can rotate people now. If people are away or sick or on holidays or whatever else, we can get some other guests in too and, and kind of expand the the panel community itself. Um, That's right. And having the focus on the different things too instead of kind of the, you know, sometimes in the past we've kind of hodgepodge the whole show together. Now we just have to hodgepodge segments, so that's much better. <laughs> that's right. Three random pieces hodgepodge. is a lot better than one big random piece. It'll be a hodgepodge of hodgepodges. Yeah. Stevie, you had a comment too or? Well, I was going to say, um, and I think Terry Steggy mentioned this too in Facebook when he says he couldn't have been more proud. And um, as the guy who started this, I feel the same way. I could not be more proud than what you guys pulled off last week because I was going to be out of town. I couldn't stream. Rob Inman says, hey, I've got a week to prepare. And he put a lot of thought into this and he came up with a really cool structure. Um, ironically, what I thought was going to be the big segment of uh, hamcation, you know, showing stuff off, that 
kind of flatlined because we had no broadband. But because there was a plan and a structure in place and because we've got all you amazing people, last week's show is literally the best show we've ever had. You know, we've got over uh, close to 300 views on YouTube oh, awesome. combined with Facebook. It's about 600 with podcasts. We're looking at 700. Um, it's, it's been our biggest show this year and probably the biggest show in the past six months. Uh, and ironically, Nitrous 9 was the big part that's, of it. That's so, hardly ironic. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it was your hat and we should see even better numbers this week. It could be, but I kind of dreamed that this would happen. Like the whole idea of me getting more people to stream was that the show doesn't depend on any one person and anybody can pick it up and host it and stream it. And everybody's going to put their own spin on it. And um, it's been happening. And I think last week was just the perfect storm of that happening. And I'm really excited to see what we do in the future as we continue to put our heads together and, and try new things, you know? Well, it definitely makes it uh, fun that you involve us. Like I said, the first time you asked me to even join Zoom, I'm like, I'm not a podcaster. And uh, no, look at me right. now. Now you're a host. <laughs> <laughs> look at me now, Dad. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm a <laughs> makers, I can't believe it's not butter. It's I can't believe it's not a podcast. <laughs> Actually, it's a video show that we also happen to podcast, right? I, I don't want to misuse the term. Yeah. I'm really curious to hear what the uh, the viewers are, think too about the show, about last week's show, because it was four hours, and it's gotten the most views of anything in the past few months. So what? Why? This what, is that correlation causation thing. Like we want, don't want to start doing ten hour shows because we'll get ten times as many viewers type thing. Right. 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 <laughs> I'd like to know what the viewers think of your hat, Stevie. That's a great question. Chime in. Fluorescent. put up a poll. When you're looking at the stats for the show, does it show, when you say there's X number of viewers, is that, does it show you like a time frame? Like they tuned in and watched the whole four hours or does it, does it break up into time when you, when we see that as far as like, is there one segment where it seems to peak and then, or whatever? I don't know. Curious. Honestly, it's really hard to drill deep into the metrics. What I will tell you just from kind of gut and a little bit of experience is I trust YouTube numbers. Um, if YouTube says 280 people watched it, then they probably watched it for a significant period of time. Um, when Facebook says 300 people watched it, any drive-by counts as a view. So if somebody just scrolls and it's on their wall and they saw it for a blink of an eye, that's a view. So I don't put as much faith in those numbers, but they're still numbers, you know? Um, so it's, it's really hard to get super quality details, but I trust YouTube over Facebook, you know? Sorry, Stevie. I was just going to say the interesting thing was that the YouTube data and the Facebook data were very similar. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I suppose, I mean, live, I I don't know what's the more popular format for it, but um, like you're saying, you know, if there's, if there's a, you know, nearly, what was it? 260 or 270 odd views or something on, on uh, YouTube. I think it's Um, 280 plus now. Yeah. 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 I mean, if that's the case and they're legitimate, you know, not just, you know, statistics because somebody happened to see the stream on, on YouTube. Um, and that sort of seems to match up with Facebook as well. Then perhaps most, you know, perhaps uh, quite a number of the Facebook people were actually um, long term viewers. Right. Well, the, just- the good thing about YouTube, there's no way for a drive by viewing to happen in YouTube. You've got to click on it to make it start playing. Whereas Facebook, yeah, yeah. it will autoplay just by scrolling yeah. past it, you know. And I think Facebook has a thing where it counts as a view only if, you know, you've watched at least 15 seconds or a minute or something, but it doesn't tell you 
Yeah. Did they watch right. like half an hour, two hours, three hours? Yeah, right. Yep. Still good numbers, though. Very good numbers. Hmm. Uh, oh, Dave yeah. and Sharon say it was the 2.5 hours of OS9 monologue that made it awesome. Thank you. Hold thank on. You. How do you redact a comment? I need to, I need to erase that. Uh, we also have uh, Robert who's saying he likes that we split it up into hosts. Yeah. He also liked it before. So I guess he's kind of, uh, you know, either way we do it is good. Uh, but he likes the uh, variety of uh, the segments. and He doesn't mind the long show. Yeah, right. and he doesn't mind the segments being long or short either, he's saying, too. So, you know, depending on the content, you don't overstretch it to force it to an hour. You don't right. cut it short to force it to an hour. You just follow the yeah. flow. We don't want to be like, oh, so, yeah, what did you do this week? Yeah, we want to keep it like right. you know somewhat interesting. I like flexibility and fluidity, but it's great to have a plan and a structure. And we're going to try to cover A, B, and C. And sometimes they may drift or slide, but let's know what A, B, and C will hopefully be. You know, yeah, it's good to have a, a general outline guideline rather than a complete free for all because that just gets messy. So I agree. We are forgetting one important fact. Last week, David Ladd left early. David, I would like if you guys would indulge me, Here we're going to continue this conversation, but last week's show was pretty OS nine heavy and, and it was a really amazing commercial that Rob Inman made actually yes. too. And that inspired me. So I made my own commercial last night. I'd like to share with you guys and get your feedback on it. Are you guys ready for the world sure. premiere of this? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Extended cover basic combined with a disc controller brings you disc extended cover basic. Direct access to your floppies. Direct access to all of your hardware resources. Deck B on your fellow computer. Deck B washes away competition. <laughs> oh, oh dear I think the comments oh, burn. My, my, my only question is how much did Mick Nemorentis pay you to, to run that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. How much is your Photoshop? How much a Photoshop subscription? That's about $15 a month, isn't it? Yeah, that's why Nick was practicing his Photoshop skills on the high score table. He was thinking, uh, Stevie, I got it now. So what do you guys think? Actually, it's great. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he'll tell you in the caboose what he really thinks. No, it's, it's funny. I, I have no problem having humor about it. So oh. I've been through the great deck beat OS9 wars in the 80s and yeah. 90s. So. And did you see, did you predict it to continue on the, into the 20s? 20s oh i did man. notice you had to use you know period correct when it actually was decent back in the 80s music and stuff there but yeah does nick does uh nick marionettes approve that message oh yes i mean he was, <laughs> p- he was putting on the os9 uh stuff that that's fine it's the nitrous nine that uh, i'm a more of a supporter of okay there you go and that trash oh, yeah. kind of icon that was made legendary trash can icon right hey there's a bunch more icons coming up in the next one that nick did too and rob oh see you're slowly turning them to the dark side yes but (laughs) we have a lot of variety in the community and all in fun what people love to do with their hobbies and it's great to have fun with all this you know 
Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is interesting to see, you know, how what the community thinks of, you know, OS9 coverage in the show. Like, if, if, it's good to know that it does appeal to people. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't, uh, so... I know we have some OS9 fans in the community. Dave, Mr. Dave 6809 is one of the biggest ones. Um, so Plus, I mean, there's a lot of people that use both. I mean, obviously, if I, if I was strictly OS9, I wouldn't enter the Donkey King contest, right? Because that's a yeah. basic game. Right, right. Well, speaking of Mr. Dave and, and the show and how we change and grow, you know, Mr. Dave gave us that suggestion of the kind of game of the week, right? So that came through on Discord. It's a great idea. I think we more than ran with that this past week, and we're going to see the results this week. So I'm, I'm the first person to say, when it comes to what we do here on this show, we don't have a freaking clue. It's just <laughs> magic that sometimes accidentally happens, and it's the perfect storm of everybody chipping in with suggestions and contributions. So we try to um, solicit that, give us your ideas, give us your feedback, give us your suggestions. And we got a great segment out of it. You know, we've gotten great content from uh, Nick Morenti's with core dumps and the game on segments. So everybody gets an idea and these ideas become a, a spark that just, you know, catches fire sometimes. So it's a community community effort. Yeah. Yeah. Really. We're hanging out as a community. I mean, we yeah. have people kind of driving it, but we have overall, we're a community of people hanging out, having fun. Anybody's welcome to join us on zoom. Anybody's welcome to join us on discord. It's just, uh, just a bunch of guys who enjoy the cocoa and, uh, and, uh, want really to get together like a, and talk about it. It really is like a, a modern global version of our local computer clubs that we had back in the eighties. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's definitely a big part of my week, so I really appreciate it. With improvements, because we can actually see each other, you know, which you know, back we might have done BBS chatting and back and forth. Well, we get to see the awesomeness I'm that is Stevie's sure hat. An improvement. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I'd just like to ask the people who are watching our show, listening to our show, is to keep those suggestions coming, keep the ideas coming. Feel free to join us. Um, and there really are no bad ideas. We just got to try them out and see how they work. And, Everything's a work in progress, you know, so. And also for those that aren't able to watch the show live, like we've got live chat coming in now from Facebook and YouTube, et cetera, and keep the suggestions coming there as well, but also email us and Stevie, you can rattle off the email address they should send the suggestions to. Oh, that would be cocotalk at cocotalk.live. When I started joining Zoom, I didn't even have any actual hardware. I was just a, a guy who remembered, had fond memories as my, as a teen. And yeah, uh, so you don't need to be, you don't need to have you know, tons of hardware. You don't last need. week. I'm wondering if my shoulder's starting to get a little stiff here from patting myself on the back so much. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just added eight serial ports and yeah, I hooked up the 15 printers and I saved them $10 trillion. And, uh, you need I, some I yes men to the, uh, the country's economy. Oh God, my shoulder's really killing me right now. So <laughs> you need some yes men. <laughs> I, I just switched my other, my other arm there. And you know. <laughs> button again. Excellent point, sir. <laughs> um, is Jason still here? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Jason, do you want to give your kind of summary on last week's, not only Hamcation, but I guess your whole Orlando experience? I can do that. Uh, well, uh, we, you know, we drove. And so that was an adventure in itself and uh, spent a couple of days at a couple of Disney parks, visits from family, and then uh, met up with you and uh, Mr. Michael Brandt, a.k.a. Qui-Gon there. And uh, 
spent some time in Hamcation. Uh, amazingly, I was there Friday for a bit with uh, Michael Brandt, and we missed the cocoa stuff the first time around that, that we later discovered there on Saturday. And yeah. uh, oh, what else did we do? It was um, oh boy. Well, we had uh, we found some cocoa goodies there at uh, Hamcation there on Saturday, uh, you and I. And uh, well, as it's been said earlier, we we attempted. Attempted to uh, do some live streaming, but the cell service there was just uh, awful for whatever reason, and uh, that was that was totally unexpected. So, uh, and I ended up picking up what a uh, a Direct Connect modem pack. That's originally what I spotted on the table uh, for, uh, and what prompted the felt that had that stuff to bring out uh, another bin of oh, cocoa stuff. And between Stevie and I, we. Uh, we purchased all of it, and the last piece was this um, uh, ROM pack-looking thing with a wire coming out of it that I've yet to check into. It's been a very busy week because, again, I drove, and then I had to go to work the next day. So it's been a very busy week, and I'm hoping to look at this stuff more over the weekend. But uh, it appears to be uh, made by Cantronics, which Cantronics is a uh, company that makes uh, – in, in business to this day – uh, makes a lot of uh, ham radio interfaces, usually uh, dealing with uh, data or digital communication of some type. And um, so I, I have, I'm not familiar with that at all. I don't know if it has any software, but I've never seen one. And I, I did go ahead and pick it up um, along with a few other little, little tidbits. But uh, yeah, I think um, Brian Schubring was mentioning what that thing did last week when I was listening to the replay. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard it's been speculated it could be uh, RIDI or RTTY, which was a type of radio teletype, uh, and it's still used, and uh, that could be it. I, I don't know how that interfaces into a radio yet. I know I've seen at one point there were other RTTY programs for the color computer uh, back in the Coco 1 and 2 days uh, that did RTTY, I believe, through the cassette port. But honestly, I've never tried to make any of that stuff work. Uh, at this point, and uh, oh, that's that's one of those projects. If I ever get to try to make some of this, uh, uh, if there's any of this ham software that still works on the Coco, work. Sure. Um, um, I mean, my extent with ham on the Coco was I was uh, by that point it was the Coco three, and I was just using a, a generic terminal program to talk to a um, to a terminal node controller, or which is more like it's kind of like a modem for your radio, and it was external serial device and i was just using a terminal program ironically made by that same company cantronics uh but uh i'm trying to think what else i got i think i might have got like some kind of odd book or something and uh i gotta go through it i'm not even i'm not even all unpacked yet it's just it's been one of those weeks brian have you had any experience using the rtty and stuff like i know marty goodman and a few others mentioned WeFax and rtty back in the 1983 era rainbows did, but did you ever get too involved with that uh, yeah, I actually, uh, on two meters, I was uh, using the Coco 2, and I tried to use for the Coco 3 also. I started hacking uh, the program a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I was doing uh, RIDI uh, on two meters uh, with the uh, color computer. And um, in that I didn't have the uh, that Hamsoft uh, pack for the Coco. It was just through the uh, cassette port in that. Um, in that. And uh, basically... Um, for that uh, car that you got there, Jason, was uh, it's basically the the communications between your the computer and the TNC, and and that was for the um, 
uh, that with the uh, interface two TNC for our Rydian CW that provided the um, the TTL communication standard between the TNC and the computer. That's what that uh, card does. And then in the, uh, uh, with the Hamsoft software for the color computer, that's what uh, gave you uh, the ability to control the uh, TNC. So that's what it does for you. So back to you guys. <laughs> I think David Ladd must be wetting himself with all those acronyms going across there. <laughs> I heard TL. So I got a Coco 2 64K. Um, I just fired it up this morning. It's behind me. It doesn't boot. It boots to like a screen full of dollar signs. And Mr. Mr. Dave told me to open it up and take some pictures and send it to him. This is a Korean uh, Coco 2B. So almost everything is soldered. There was only two chips and sockets. I tried unseating those and reseating them. I sprayed some deoxid on all the crusty chips and stuff. It's still not booting. So it's probably going to need some RAM replacement. From what Mr. Dave is saying, say, sounds like yeah. Yeah, usually if you have the stuck character too. on the VDG screen, it's a RAM problem. Yeah. One of the yeah. bits at least, stuck. At least the processor seems to be working, and the video. Yeah, yeah, because I pulled that out and it wouldn't boot without it, so <laughs> I put it back <laughs> in the network. Way to troubleshoot, <laughs> Stevie. <There you> go. <laughs> so, um, so, but still, it's a fifteen dollars sixty four K Coco two. It's going to need probably minimal repair work to be a nice machine. Right next to it, you can see the dual floppies. It's an FD five hundred with two half height drives <laughs> controller. I haven't tested those, but they'll, they'll probably work. I think the the coolest thing I got was this. This is the um, TR eighty color computer quick reference, and this thing spiral band one or like. Yeah. A, four dollars but it's spiral bound it starts off as basically like kind of the alphabetical reference of all the basic commands but then it gets into a lot of more really cool stuff so let me just kind of flip through here and show this off um it gets into some functions so your sine cosine absolute type stuff how to use those Um, color highlighting no less yep rom subroutines so here you're going to see some addresses on places to go for different ROM calls. Um, really cool stuff. It had some, uh, okay, control keys, special characters, operations, your your color codes and all your semi-graphic symbols. Uh, it even had a whole alphabetical listing. Uh, so here's your, your ASCII. It's showing you in like ASCII, decimal, and hex. Um, all the assembly language um, commands were in here too. Editor commands for EdTasm and, and Zbug. Um, there's tons of cool stuff. That's in not here. a beginner's. Uh, well, it's, it's beginner. got everything, right? That's pretty uh, cool that there's all the assembly stuff in there. Yeah, 6809 uh, instruction sets are showing up there. And these are oh, all okay. alphabetical. So for 4 and $5, there's a ton of information in here. And it even gets to like your, your pinouts of your RS-232s and all kinds of stuff, you know? So really cool. I wonder if that's. Um, is that right. in the is that in the archive at all? Do you know? Maybe Honestly, I'm not sure. But this Maybe was like a, it was a throw in with the computer and floppy drive that I bought. You know, so so originally cool. would it have been something? You, would it be a bookie by radio shop? Yeah, it was, was it sold for three or four ninety five. Oh, okay. Yeah, four ninety five. So this was five dollars retail. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, Stevie, uh, the the do- the ASCII value for the dollar sign is thirty six. Okay, and uh, and when you turn on the cocoa, it's filling the screen with the value thirty-two, which is empty spaces. So if you subtract the difference, that's four. So and the so the the one two four, it's the third chip from the left that's okay, probably so we're counting bad. The binary. 
Okay. Oh wow! Right. Well, yeah. It, the the chips. Each chip does one bit of a, a byte, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The no. first chip, yeah, is one. The second chip is two. The value that it stores is, right. and then so there's going to be a quiz later. So pay attention, kids. Pop quiz at and the end of the show. Also, because yeah. it seems to be, if you say all the way across the screen, it's not like an individual bit. It may be a control line for the chip. That whole chip is offline, basically. Hmm. Just yeah, because they're all the same. One trick would be to turn it on and and uh, let it warm up for a bit, and then put your finger on that chip and see if it gets hot. If it's real hot, and that typically indicates a bad chip. Okay. Did you check and see whether the VDG was a T1? <laughs> or you can get lucky, like me, and uh, physically see a right. bent, a broken I, pin. <laughs> I posted all the pictures in uh, the Cocoa Talk lobby and Discord, so I don't recall, but you can look at it if you want. Oh, you have pictures of the motherboard in there? Yeah. Yeah, and close-ups of the chips and stuff, too. So, Good. Yeah, okay. Let's see whether it's got T1 written on it, lowercase. Right. Uh, so how are we doing on this segment here? Have we done a good job patting ourselves on the back from last week? I think so. Yeah. Well, there Maybe you I go. Our, our egos are well-stroked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really, the point I wanted to make was we want, you know, feedback and, and contributions because a lot of that – was, you know, kind of Rob's idea of the structure and then you guys filling in the segments. But all this came from people suggesting things for the show. So it's those suggestions that make this show continue to get better. Oh, yeah. And we want to just encourage people to keep doing that. I mean, we, we could come together and just talk among ourselves, but it's much better when there are people who actually want to hear what yeah. we're saying and take part. And we've so just we been joined play. by the Internet's own Grand Lady. Hey, everybody. Grant. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Late Nick. again. Welcome. <laughs> hey, doing? Where, where are you off to? How are you doing? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. What the hell are you wearing there, Stevie? It's my hamcation souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a dork. <laughs> well, <I look> like <laughs> well, he doesn't need the hat for that. We are computer nerds. We're allowed to look like dorks. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for oh, joining us. Footnote: I, I also picked up a multi. I forgot. I picked up a multi-view manual in this Coco One keyboard with uh, what appears to be a Coco Two ribbon. You're, you're not showing video. Oh, I know I'm not showing video, but I have mentioning. Oh, I thought you were showing us something. No, I, I'm so unprepared today. It's not okay. Fun. So I'm sorry. What did you get? You got a multi-view uh, manual? Multi-view manual and a uh, a Coco One keyboard that I've been told has a Coco Two ribbon cable on it. Okay. Well, we'll see. Well, we've got a new Coco Thoughts. We'll play the new Coco Thoughts. I'm going to give you guys an encore presentation of my new commercial. We'll take a commercial break, and we'll come back for segment two, which is going to be news and game on. And game on spotlight. And game on spotlight, where we talk Thank about you guys. last Thanks week's for letting me host. I appreciate it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Donkey King was one of the few ports of Donkey Kong, official or otherwise, that included all four screens. Not that Stevie would know. Extended Color Basic, combined with a disc controller, brings you Disc Extended Color Basic, direct access to your 
Bodies. Direct access to all your hardware resources. Deck B on your color computer. Deck B washes away the competition. Hi everybody, this is Siri, Apple's personal assistant and beatbox professional. You're watching Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. We'll return after these announcements. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we've put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. This is Ken Reichard, author of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. And you're experiencing Coco Talk? As you start your journey to Coco Fest, you notice the road ahead is littered with rogue furniture. You realize you are driving on the Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. The game for the Tandy Color Computer 1, 2, and 3. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Stunning low-resolution visuals. Digital to analog converted sound. 100% machine language and basic. What are they saying about Nightmare Highway? Nightmare Highway. Steve B. York says, of all the games released this year, this is one of them. L. Kurt S. Boyle says, this will not be on my site. Nick Marionette says, crikey, look at the size of that croc. Get your complimentary copy of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. At cancanmakeit.com. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Hey there, it's Andrew here with the Tandy Speech and Sound Cartridge that I won from Coco Talk Live. So uh, next time, make sure to tune in. It may change your life. Let the Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games. And they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95 or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. We now return you to Coco Talk. Nice little volume. touch. 
nice little touch in there, putting Casey Kasem in there. <laughs> I want to learn to play the jazz flute or where that is at the end of that. Uh, so we've been joined by, is he still here? Yes, Paul T. Barton just joined us. Paul, welcome Yay. to the show. Thank you, sir. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I had a CT scan this morning, so I'm a little late. Oh, that's, that's I guess we'll accept that. As new so how did the uh, okay. Connecticut scan go? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I have a CD, but I haven't looked at it yet. So. Okay. Didn't find really any glad, cats in there? <laughs> really glad you made it. Yeah, me okay. too. All right. So next we're going to hear from the Walter Cronkite of the Coco World. Uh, Mr. Uh, L. Curtis Boyle with the news. All right. Here comes our new intro, courtesy of Rob Inman. That's a little too flashy for me. I don't me. know the Muppet guy's name. But I, was, I would have used him, but I don't know his name. I like wow, this show's getting professional. <laughs> kind oh, of a, yeah. Any resemblance, though. Love the Muppets. <laughs> you guys seen that? We see ya. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, first item in the news. Uh, Jim Brain of Retro Innovations, also known as the Trollmaster, um, showed on Facebook his serial 2KB adapter. This takes RS232 data and converts it to keyboard presses. And also allows you to upload ASCII text files like basic listings, etc., and let it type it in for you. So he did this little prototype here. He actually uh, called me to ask for an ASCII version of a basic program, which I sent him a copy of one. And he loaded the entire program in without having to type anything, Just, it, but it simulated typing it on the keyboard. Wow. That would have been something nice. we would have loved back in the day. So if you had a monitor hooked up, would you actually see it going across and doing the energy? Yeah. And, and theoretically, you could take like a, even a barcode scanner or something like that, or you know, a wand reader of some sort, and read it in the same way. As long as it's a serial based. Uh, in the live chat, uh, Retro Innovation says, "Finally, a cool project." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, Jim, you could join in and give us some details on it too, if you want to. It is a cool project. Now there was some talk there that he that you know people had done PS2 interface before, and he actually mentioned that he had done a PS2 version of this as well um, when he was starting the project, and then switched it over to Serial. If he joins in, we'll get some more details from him. Next up, TJB Chris, who has been doing a lot of those interesting. He did the fart detector last week. <laughs> a lot of interesting projects. Um, this one That's here we had all the <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that from last week's show. That was definitely a... Uh... Yeah, that was much better than the Nitrous 9 coverage, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> if there was <laughs> only a Nitrous 9 detector... Smells about the same. Like gas. Yeah. <laughs> it smells about the same. <laughs> yeah. Except Nitrous 9, of course, can handle multi-farts, so we can do several at the same time. So. <laughs> Just hit clear for a fresh new fart. <laughs> <laughs> you control the farts with your mouse. But anyway. Uh, he puts a video here... <laughs> Go ahead. There's a new video here showing him controlling a Subaru uh, gauge cluster from a Coco 3 running Nitrous 9, speaking of Nitrous 9. Oh, cool. So he, he gives a video here that kind of shows uh, updating his boot file because it didn't have the R32 pack driver, the version that he was using, which I think says 3.3 distribution. So he shows how to install that. I won't play any of that because that's long, boring stuff, even by my standards. 
Um, but he does show the Coco controlling the gauge on the left there. So, whoops. Start playing. Maybe I could use that to fix my gas gauge. It doesn't work on my car. <laughs> Take a tip from the old school. You guys, you hear so that? Change my execution yeah. yeah. Okay, he's still doing the boot file here, so let's skip ahead. Here I see the two modules at the end, and hopefully I turned off. T2 SC655. Need of no pause. This guy's so almost as bad as you. We're 45 minutes in. He hasn't done shit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the way the gauges work is they take serial commands in the form of a letter, which... This is actually controlling the gauge. ...whatever it is on the gauge cluster that you're addressing, so M for the check engine light. A number, the value, so zero for off, one for on, and then for lights that have multiple modes, like slow flash or fast flash, uh, they also accept a two or a three. And this program's forgiving. If you feed it invalid data, it just ignores it. It throws it away, so... The program on the Pi is meant to be specifically forgiving, so I don't have to muck with it or reboot it. So let's just send a check engine light on to T2. Apparently I can't type a slash. And there's the check oh, there engine it goes. light. It just lit up. That's cool. That's way cool. Boom. Just, okay. Now it's making a flash. So like what the heck? Let's put her, in par- or put her in drive. And we're going to go... Real fast. So let's do this. We're going to go... 88 miles an hour. Miles an hour. <laughs> and we're going to... Will that move the needle? Yeah. Yeah. That's a digital yeah, needle? The extra there space threw it off. There you go. Didn't work the first oh, time. that's cool. Usually it's case insensitive, but whatever. Talk about a simulator. Then, like a driving course, simulator where you oh, can yeah, actually... Oh, yeah. Wicked, really wouldn't it? ...control the gauges and the lights and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's so and cool. look at that. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. And your RPM is getting up there? really dangerous if I took off my seatbelt at this speed. Redline it. Your fact, door is a jar. So no, it's not. It's a door. <laughs> no, it's a door. <laughs> and let's just say all this high-speed I was thinking making us work with the adventure. driving game that has those crazy hairpin turns. Um, can you, can can you pop the trunk? Right? <laughs> <laughs> zero? No, it's zero. Oh, not wrong one, wrong one. There we go. High coolant temperature. And you'll see the temperature gauge is going to go up. As it gets to the top, it'll get slower and slower. So the gauges on this, especially the temp and fuel, um, they react slowly. So they they aren't prone to sudden movements, especially when they get closer and closer to the value in question. So, uh, And one more thing. I think the transmission's really about had it. You, know. <laughs> you really make a mess oh, of that. Yeah, uh... the transmission temperature's getting hot. At this rate, it's very likely that uh, we're going to burn out the transmission. And I think that's just about what's going to happen. And there we go. Huh. Wow. So that is really it. Um, that's just a little project. You have to get the Coco Fast. You could theoretically use these as, as a status for anything now that they're not in an enterprise location where I kind of have them on my desk by a. Is there a love seat dis- detector? <laughs> anyway, I thought it was really cool because you're actually controlling like a modern yeah, part of a car, right? Yeah. You mentioned yeah, something cool. about a Pi, yeah. though. So is the Raspberry Pi in between the Coco Yeah, the Pi basically converts the serial signal to whatever. Thing okay. the actual so he's not talking uses. directly so, to that. Yeah, I think it's it's CAN bus. I think yeah. it's either CAN or LIN. LIN bus is the other one. Yeah. Okay. Converted from serial. So it's basically, so it's basically doing an interpretation of the signals conversion. That's neat. But it's such an easy thing. I mean, you could write a basic nine program or whatever language you want and have it do all this. And like people were mentioning, you could have a car race game and actually have a real gauge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah yeah. <laughs> 
That's oh, by the way, you got to go out and get this Subaru dashboard. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's only like 500 bucks. <laughs> well, if you have a Subaru, you can just rip it out of your car. What do you need in right. there for? Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and the Raspberry Pi. Low washer we just, fluid. We just put, and we'll I just was put, nine. We'll just put the computer in the car and play it in the car. Yeah. Well, Nick, actually, well, you, don't just, even, you don't need OS 9 for this. You could actually just run a terminal program at 9600 baud and do the same thing. Yeah. Or you can just program a gauge on the Cocoa screen. It costs nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Except no, time. It's a cool exercise, though. Just Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And he's Not got some more it's details. It's a project, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually got some more details on the gauges here, kind of explaining how That's it works. Neat. Ken Reichert says, I see Nightmare Highway 2. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be perfect. Right. Your engine it's light's on. <laughs> more machine language and basic check engine. detected. Turn on your high beams. You can see the couches further ahead. Yeah, that'd be good. Game is free. The game <laughs> costs like hundreds of dollars. He goes <laughs> how, to, how to build the whole Arduino thing, and then a little bit on on hooking up to the the Coco afterwards. How it works. That in, that's that's in the Facebook group, is it? Yeah, I've got direct links too that Mark will be posting in the chat. Too, posted so. them. They are posted in the chat. Next up, uh, pretty impressive of Dragon 32 semi-graphics. Now, I wrote 24 here, but I think Nick has actually proven it's semi-graphics 12 afterwards. 12, yeah. So, it, you know, should correct that in the notes there. But uh, it's, it's it has a music background plus a semi-graphics graphics demo. Now, the music in the background, they kind of cheated to do it, which is kind of a cool way to do it. And it's using motor on audio on, basically. So if you download the link, of not just the cassette file, but the actual audio file, the WAV, it actually has the beginning of the WAV file is the actual program itself. You know, the doody doody type stuff you're yeah. used to hearing. After that is actually recorded 8-bit music that was created on something else. <clears throat> and basically it loads the program, runs, and then d- the program itself turns mod- motor on, audio on. So it actually plays the music while this whole demo is going. So this is really what it looks like in the Dragon. This is actually recorded off of a real Dragon. But it's a, it's a pretty impressive demo. And I think I'll skip the main loading part. Yeah, I was impressed when I heard the music, thinking it was coming from the dragon. Well, it kind of is. Yeah. Let's do the cassette board. But I mean, Simon's finally got some competition writing demos on the Coke One too. So. Right? Yeah, no doubt. It's a neat so one. What colors. was used to create the 8-bit music? Was that a, a C64 or was it a, a, a was it a Coco? I'm not even sure. I know it was composed by somebody different than the person that actually wrote the graphic part of it. Sounds very much like a SID chip C64. Yeah, yeah, it does. Could be. I know some people back in the old days actually hooked that chip up to the Coco and actually did program it, but it wasn't a common thing, and I don't think it was ever a commercial product. You said uh, this okay. is a SG12. Yeah. So basically, it's essentially a 64 by 96. Yeah, that's a decent mode. Yeah, And he also chose a second color set, so you actually have 11 colors because you get a dark red and an alternate orange you don't get on the other. Now, what's going on here? Are we switching? Yeah, he's in P-mode a three P-mode. P-mode four? Yeah. This is actually, I, I, I did read some discussion on this on the World of Dragon archive. People were thinking because of that shimmering that there was some sort of you know palette shifting or switching between screens. That's not. That's just the video capture card 
uh, pulling off the real drag and just kind of not holding the signal stable. It's this one is just a straight PMO three screen. All right. For whatever reason, it looks super high res. Those pixels look really tight there and around the belly and stuff. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. No, it's just one twenty-eight by one ninety-two by four. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really good artwork. Is is what it is. What it boils down to is good artwork. Yeah. Yeah, but he had the like the letters drawing shimmering on, and of course he had the the yeah the character background with the rainbows going through. This is very Simon Jonasy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's you know Simon's been around the demo scene for a while, so I'm sure a lot of influence. And this person has too. The person that actually wrote this demo has done demos for other platforms before. This is their first Dragon project, so pretty pretty good for a first shot. Absolutely. And this probably could be converted pretty easily for the color computer too, right? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to try it yet. I mean, code wise, it should work now. Now because the interrupts that if it's using interrupt driven for the timing and stuff, there it might be a little bit different because of the fifty hertz versus sixty hertz, so it might run faster on the Coco. I see. But I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Oh, you have the software, the demo? Yeah, you can download the, the cast or the whatever um, from World of Dragon. Already I think it's posted on, on the chat. The, 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 I've been meaning to ask, the 60 hertz interrupts on the Coco One, um, is it 60? It'd it have to be 60 hertz still even on a PAL one, wouldn't it? Even though our mains frequency is 50 hertz in the video. Is no, 50. it's 50 hertz on, on a PAL. You oh, it 50, is. Okay, so it is. 50 V-Syncs okay. per screen instead of 60. Yeah, so it is derived from the from the video clock then. Yeah. 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 Okay. The gimme lets you control it. You can actually switch that, but the old cocos it was pretty well hardwired into what depending what type of cocoa you had. Yep, yep. Hey, cool demo. I hope he does Very some cool. more. Next up, um Boise is starting a new YouTube series on his channel called the Coco Collector, where he plans on looking at any an individual item at a time from his vast collection of cocoa hardware and software including a bit of a history of each. Now he has a lot of this stuff. Thanks to him writing the the book on the history of the cocoa with uh, I'm pulling a blank in his name now. Bill Judas. Right. Bill Judas. So he'd uh, gotten a lot of research. He also managed to get some prototype stuff that, uh, you know, most people never got access to because he was actually interviewing some of the people from Tandy. And there's a bit of a talk on the Facebook uh, group today. I saw that uh, I think somebody pulled a picture out and noticed the cocoa four prototype case with the built in floppy drives on the top back of it. And they were trying to guess if that was the original Deluxe. No, the Deluxe actually just looked like a Cocoa 1 with a different colored case and expanded keyboard and more ports in the back. Mm-hmm. But um, that was the actual Cocoa 4 prototype case, which as far as we know, doesn't has never had a circuit board in it, never got past the stage of a prototype. So, But I'll play is it's only a, a short little demo here or a short little video kind of promoting the the new series he's starting. And I thought it'd be worth playing the whole thing just because it's I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the stuff because he's got some stuff I've never seen in person. Hi. I'm the Coco Collector. I have lots and lots of color computers. There's the four there right Coco there. Ones, Coco Twos, Coco Threes, plus peripherals like multi packs, floppy drives, ROM cartridges, you name it. Love the Each music. episode, cool. I'll explore an artifact out of my extensive collection. We'll examine it inside and out and look at the history behind it. Once anyway, I'm really looking forward to a series. Does he say when cool I started? Music. I really like that music. Soon is all I know. Good. As as it's Do we know who this guy is? Boise. 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 
Oh, I didn't realize it was him. From the Coco Crew. I didn't realize it was him. Also yeah. worked uh, in microwave. He was Boise before the Coco Crew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I just I just brought the okay. the video forward here so that one on the mi- the middle shelf in the middle that's the Coco Four prototype case. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think anybody missed that. <laughs> Everybody's caught that. I caught it the minute I saw it. I wonder where he. How did he? Do we know how he got a hold of that? Yeah, he so was when he was interviewing. Um, uh, what's his name? One of the main Coco designers at Tandy, because he actually has had the case there, and actually the guy gave it to him uh, from when he's writing the book. Really? Huh. Just gave it or something like that. Last name. How Pritchett? many of them? Oh, that's got to be the most. No, Pritchett's the six eight zero nine guy. Um, that's got to be the most unique Coco out there. Yeah, I mean, how many you know, of them are prototypes? I mean, yeah, I have it here in just a second. What do you think that would sell for? <laughs> oh, heaps. There's only one in the world. Yeah, because yeah. this one had a built-in uh, floppy drive, and yeah. had enough room for two of them, and I think it was a three and a half inch too. Tim Franklin's <laughs> asking, "What's the serial number?" <laughs> one. One. Yeah. John Prickett. Prickett. Yeah, that's what I thought. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And John's also in possession of the Coco 2 serial number 0001 and Lee Veal as the Coco 1 serial number 0001. So I have no idea who's got the Coco 3 one. Well, that Coco Those boxes one look pristine. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to this because, I mean, he's got pictures of this Coco 4 case and some of the other hardware that I've never seen before in the book, but they're black and white. They don't look that good. To see mm-hmm. them zoomed up in video like this and he's actually presenting them to you so you can see you know, every nook and cranny for some of these you know, rare, rare designs, I would just love to see those. So looking forward to yeah. it. I'm not sure when he's going to be doing the first episode, hopefully fairly soon. Being a prototype, that, that, four, that Coco 4 would have to be serial number zero, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, the, there was no board ever made for it. It was just the case. It was, all yeah. they made was a case. Yeah. yeah. There's not even necessarily a serial number on it. Yeah. Serialization yeah. occurs after they start manufacturing it as a product. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. So there, there is no serial number, zero. probably. And the yeah, funny no, thing is... No, there well, probably is not a serial number. It's not serialized yet. They they might give yeah. them a serial okay. number. They joke way too seriously. <laughs> or they give them, you know, like prototype one number one or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. Now, the interesting thing, if you remember back from the history book or some of the interviews with some of the people that worked at Tandy at the time, is that some people tend to claim there never was a Coco 4, there was never plans for a Coco 4, yet Prickett had that. So well, obviously there's even some miscommunication idea, between the Tandy people here because obviously somebody had made, I mean, that's a plastic case somebody had to manufacture, so obviously there was at least some thought. Well, not it. only that, there's uh, the actual Tandy uh, books uh, reference the deluxe color computer. The Dox is not this. That's not a, a Coco One level machine. This is a. This was a potential Coco Coco Four. Mm. Yeah, this was a sequel to the Coco Three planned, and the the Deluxe was planned to be between the Coco One and well, Coco Two and the Coco Three basically is what it was for. But that's a, that's a totally different machine. I know there's a lot of confusion. In fact, the people on Facebook that were do- talking about it thought that's what it was. But the Deluxe looks like a, a white Coco One. You know, with the sixty-four K model. Keyboard. Yeah, with the Coco 3 keyboard with a different colored black back plastic than the Coco 3 has. And it had like composite out on the back and it had a real Arster 32 on the back and a, and a few other hardware differences. The sound speech back was built in. Um, and that actually was way past the you know production stage. 50,000 circuit boards were made of that sucker. And then they canceled. Oh, oh far out. Wouldn't that be Getting great to... Boards. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say... Be... Destroyed from what I've heard. Though Prickett had a few of them. Uh, and, and John... Or, um, 
Bill and, and Boise's book has a picture of the circuit board because there are a few of those kicking around from the Tandy people that kept them back when they were destroying them. Hmm. Interesting uh, to know how many survived. Yeah, there's there's like less than half a dozen that I know of from what Boise said, but I don't know if any of the other Tandy people maybe he didn't get in contact with might have kept some too. I don't know. They're they're buried out in the desert with all the Atari cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice if you could find them and resurrect them. That'd be cool. Might, might, yeah, need, yeah, might yeah. need to replace some chips, though. They're all in Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Simon Hardy put this link up in the Dragon Users group. Uh, time for a little preview. Uh, thanking Kieran Anscombe for creating XWAR. So there's an online version of XWAR that's been around, I think, since last summer or something. And uh, it allows you, it's kind of like the um, Mocha thing where you can play it online. Now, what Simon's working on now is having it so that this online version of XWare will directly link to the archive of World of Dragon. So eventually, you will be able to load in absolutely any software that's on the World of Dragon, cassette-based, disc-based, doesn't matter. So you'll get access to the entire catalog, including some titles that you know, we haven't seen and maybe not compatible with Coco. So this was his official announcement for it here on Facebook. Now, this is very early days, and he originally had put Speed Racer uh, from the archive, but he's actually added a few others and took Speed Racer out at the moment. And uh, he has a page here that kind of explains, you know, what what the purpose is and how it came to be, et cetera, et cetera. And then he's actually got the actual XWare Online here. You can see it. <coughs> and everything's done with this uh, menu at the bottom. You can insert disk drives. You can pull in some online software. He's got a few particular, you know, a couple of games here to start, a few utilities to start, a couple of demos to start. Music to start. I don't know if you guys can see me clicking on the things yeah. there. Yep. Uh, you yep. got your option for how do you want to render it. Um, you can have the joystick be keyboard or mouse driven and both joysticks. It actually does have support for the Tandy Coco and Coco 2s as well as the Dragons, the Dragon 200, which is one kind of their prototype Super Dragon that never got released. And insert tapes and stuff. So he's just in the midst. It's very early. This is like a tech preview. It's not even alpha yet. But I like where it's going. Like having access to the archive directly. And maybe he can link the Cocoa side of it into the Color Computer Archive with Williams stuff there. So you can literally play anything online from That'd wherever cool. you are instead of having to actually download, install an emulator, hope you got the right ROM set up and all that. Because that has been a bit of a problem for some people trying to set it up. So I'm looking forward to that. That creates a very low barrier of entry for emulating a Cocoa or a Dragon <laughs> when you can just literally pull it up in a hit browser. A, yeah, hit a web page and you're done. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, next up, uh, Rob Inman posted a link in Discord to a video by the Nostalgia Nerd pictured here, touring the Home Computer Museum in Helmand, Netherlands. Now, we have uh, probably a year or two ago, <clears throat> we kind of covered Bart. this. Sorry? Bart Van Acker is his yeah. name? Yeah. Uh, Van Der Acker, I think. Yeah. Van Der Acker, yeah. Yeah. So he he set up this museum a while ago, and he was actually, his first computer is, is, that he owned was a Kogo 2, which kind of got him into computers. And he took donations and stuff, and he set up this uh, home computer museum, and it was successful. And the Nostalgia Nerd interviews Barton here talking about it. This is their new digs. So he was trying to raise some money, and they got a little bit of money from the local city government, and they got some donations, donations of equipment they got quite a bit of, some donations of money, but it wasn't enough to do too much. And then another donor came in and said, basically, I will finance this whole thing, because I think this is a really cool idea. Apparently, the guy has lots of money, and actually funded this entire new building, basically. And wow. it's much, much larger than the old one. And uh, there's hands-on stuff. 
Now, Rob had pointed out a couple of bits with the cocoa being mentioned, so I'll just kind of fast forward. So I'm going to find the first one here. Fours, Tandy Color Computer Threes. Look at all this equipment. Tandy 1000. This is a huge gathering. You can see how big the facility machine. is compared yeah. to the old one. Apple 2GS. This thing, look at this. Looks like it's having nuclear. Maybe 2000 here. Apple Macintosh 20th anniversary. It's like a model. Over there, three or three. TRS 80. This is a rare, this is a TRS 80 model 16B, which came after model two. Don't touch that, that's my computer. <laughs> yeah, I'll fast forward a little bit. That's through. a candy store. Yeah. Oh yeah. If I ever get to Europe again, that's one place I'll be trying to visit. Yeah. Too far there. I love the hyped up, the, you know, the hyped up UK accent. <laughs> There's Puyan, you can smart. see. Oh, yeah. On the left, on a Cocoa 3 with one of the older prototype um, Cocoa Coco SDCs without a case yeah. and with fixed pallets. Rob Benjamin says, keep playing. Oh, that's neat. A lot of TRS-80 stuff. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> and then uh, a little later, I'll just fast forward to where he interviews Bart about his how he kind of got into all this. I, I'm a weird guy. I started with Tandy, so <laughs> my, my first computer I, I've ever touched was a Tandy TRS-80 color computer too. And then a few years later, we received our first IBM clone, which was also called Clone. 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 That's, That's actually the name of the machine. It's K-L-O-O-N, which literally, apparently in the native language, means clone. clone. So they just called oh, the yeah. computer a clone. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys want to maybe play a bit more of the interview, or...? I don't know. What do you, what do you think, panel? Uh, I'm game for it. Yeah, sure. Oh, is it? Yeah, it it's just called clone. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what should we call it? It's clone. <laughs> just, <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> I was always interested in computers, and at some point I saw this Philips P2000C standing there, and I thought, let's try it. Let's see what I can do. I was around 10. Uh, so I bought it for 10 guilders. I dragged it my home, uh, to home, 10 yeah. kilos. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on my bike. Well, on a bike. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then suddenly people start to give me all these computers. And at first, uh, it was the first computer I got, I think, was an MSX. Then somebody gave me an Amiga 600, and uh, that's uh, where the. Uh, this shit happened because uh, I was, uh, that was the most beautiful machine I've ever seen. Mm. Amiga 600. By the time I was 16, I had 35 computers. When you had friends, well, we just like, yeah, I, I didn't have 16 by the time I was 25 by the time I was 16. I have friends. You know, I thought it was a long shot. So, how did you get the, the funds together to start the. Uh, I did the Kickstarter and it failed. Out of, out of the blue, I got a call from a guy um, and he said, and I really loved your idea. So I'm going to invest the full amount of money in you. Yeah. So you can get this museum up and running. And uh, together with my own money, and um, I got a little money from uh, the uh, local uh, uh, city council. We got a, li a little bit of money, not much, but uh, in total we had about 25,000 euro 
to start. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was really hard yeah. work. Absolutely. It was crazy and, and I had so many pain. <laughs> this would have been the video from when we shot. Original location. Yeah. knew what we were planning. People started to donate by themselves. So I think about the time we opened, we had 400 computers. The last count wow. we did, we were at 1500. Wow. Is this the only oh, yeah. storage area you have? Is this, yeah. It looks like you're probably going to need to expand it again <laughs> quite soon. This, this looks like David's cool. bedroom. Uh, that's what I was oh, looking yeah, at. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is yes, a, uh, yes it does. Modified cooker <laughs> for and it was made. Um, the entire case is made by, by a guy, and he really, really did his best. Wow. Everything An expansion bus for uh, so, yeah, but There's a Commodore's uh, MPI. A cardboard yeah. fan holder. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and this one uh, was meant to. It's copy. a big twenty. It was only the, the only purpose it had was to copy cartridges. Oh really? Yeah, they went to, yeah. to fairs and just copy cartridges. So was was this used in the eighties? Yeah. Did I hear you right? Did I hear you saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old anti-piracy. Ads. There's just yeah. so much to see here. Too much to condense into a reasonable yeah. length video. I mean, look at this Commodore Media Tower. This is a device from 2006, shortly after the Dutch company Yeronimo Media Ventures had nabbed the Commodore brand from Tulip Computers. It comprises of a dual-screen tower with a Windows-based PC running below the surface. The idea was a one-stop media kiosk, serving up music and films, all downloadable on request. A user would walk up, choose what to download, connect their Commodore Navigator media device, and off they go. It wasn't that successful, and only a handful were made, which makes it all the more desirable. Behind that is a device for printing vinyl characters. I love it has all these individual cartridges inside. You know, this is the eclectic kind of random and rare old technology... It was this giant hulking thing. Like, I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> What's this keyboard? This is uh, actually a Dutch uh, computer. And uh, the original... Um, how do you pronounce it? I like your pronunciation. I don't know, because the guy who created it is dead. So I call it the Astedes. Because I have no idea. This is uh, created by uh, a person called Meneer, uh, uh, Mr. Klaassen. Um, he uh, was born in 1922. And uh, in Eindhoven, he created this little screen design uh, company. What was that? Just to design There's little screens down there above the Then keys? he moved to Hilversum. Yeah, I think so. Hilversum in the 70s. Yeah. Um, he found out that uh, there was a lot of requests for digital design. So computer-aided design. And uh, there was no computer back then who was able to do that. And we're talking about the Apple II, the PET 2001, uh, the 10D TRS-80. They were just not capable of doing design. So uh, he found a few very, very uh, smart people. And he put together a computer uh, with his idea to have a designer sit behind the desk and start to design without any knowledge of computers. Um, 1980, the first machine was released, the first Astedas, uh, having 10 Motorola 68,000 CPUs. Wow. 
Uh, it had three color monitors, the same monitors as, as they are here. They uh, can display 16 million colors. Uh, there are three green screens on the, belt, on the bottom. Um, yeah, they show the data. Yep. And the original updaters had an 8 inch drive. And this one is the second one, yeah. it has the 3.5 inch. And this one has 68020s inside, including the FPUs, uh, the 68882. How many does it have? Four. Four 32-bit processors. Yeah. There's so. also uh, a keyboard in here. Don't say, this is not the keyboard, the main keyboard. There's one over here. Wow. <laughs> How clicky is this? That's really a lab. I bet that was worth a fortune in its day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Especially for original Astatus costs yeah. no less than 300,000 guilders. There wow. you go. Still talking <laughs> about 1980 at that point. <laughs> Which, wow. yeah, what does that translate to? Uh, roughly, euros? I'd say a half a million euro. And that's without inflation. Far out. That's with half a million that's euro. Wow. That's like a million, that's nearly a million dollars yeah. Australian. So the idea is we've got the drawing area. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's in really good shape, too, for something. It's like a trillion really Canadian. It's, it's the hardware <laughs> version of Photoshop. That's Donkey King money. <laughs> bank of draw. <laughs> this is cool. All right. But I think okay. we've probably seen enough. Yeah. I do want to show that because that's, I mean, 68,000 yeah, is, is a cousin of us. So. That is. Oh, I'd love to yeah. see Have that we posted the link to just this video? Because everybody should watch this. A lot of cool candy yeah, in this candy It's posted. Okay. Yeah. That is an amazing machine. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the guy was born in 1922 and he built this in the early 80s. So, I mean, he was already, you know, coming up on 60 years old when he designed this. Yeah. But what a visionary. Mm. Yeah. And next up, the last one. And this is one that David just added right during the show, actually, because I hadn't seen it. And David, if you're still on, you probably can explain this. I didn't get a chance to read it or anything. So do you want to kind of take it away on this? Well, for those people that have 3D printers or who knows who have 3D printers, um, these two files that Scott uploaded are replacement internal arms for the deluxe Coco joysticks. Because a lot of the plastic in the deluxe joysticks is getting very old and brittle. And I'm sure there's a lot of deluxe joysticks that have the broken internal arms. And these are the files needed to print replacement arms. What are you calling an arm? Um, is that the, the handle or something internal? Like, or what is, is an it arm? The, the, the internal arms. That, um, is sadly, that you lock the axes? No, there's that one that you can't lock the axes anymore. The, 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 the handle that you use to, you know, the, the stick. Yeah. When, when it goes inside the joystick, there's two arms that that connects okay. to for each Oh, the X and Y axes arms. Okay. The X and yes. Y yeah. kind of and, colors. Right. And these are the replacement arms that go to the pots. Okay. Now, do they have any plans to do as Nick was saying? Because one thing that one of my joysticks is it's got the problem too. Those switches that switch between free float and spring back the get worn and they break, and then you can't control it anymore. Is there any talk about getting that duplicated as well? That'd be um, awesome. The only way to find out is maybe to someone on Facebook to post that request to Scott and see if he would be willing to. Uh, Can you do the... that on my behalf, Dave? I'm not a hardware guy, so if you ask me questions, I'll be lost. <laughs> oh, lordy. <laughs> <laughs> I think a few of us have got the old joysticks, you know, the deluxe ones that that's wearing off and it, you know, keeps popping out or, you know, you have it on spring back and all of a sudden you move it hard left and all of a sudden it pops back to free float or something. 
I thought I had the market cornered on broken Gillette's joysticks, but oh, I guess I've I was got, wrong. I've got, I think, two or three here out of five that are broken in some way. Yeah, I've got um, a couple deluxe joysticks myself that, well, I actually changed that three because a person that's in the club here, um, I acquired a joystick from that he, when he was transporting the joystick, the joystick was in the bottom of the box. And of course, well, the stuff that was sitting on top of it just broke those arms yeah, on the inside. Mm. So. I was really fortunate with my deluxe joysticks. I've got two brand new in box and still nice. in their plastic wrapped, still hadn't been unwrapped. Wow. But um, I think that's, that's a really good use of 3D printing. Like there's a lot of these, you know, joystick controllers or paddle controllers or various other things that the Coco used that is just plastic. And now that we have these 3D printers, we can start to repair these. Even if the parts are no longer available, the company's out of business. As long as you can do the schematic for it, for a 3D printer, you can actually start fixing all these things. Well, if you like, I could bring up what they look like. Yeah, I'll stop sharing. Actually, that's my last news segment, so I'll let you do that. Okay. So let me... Hopefully this goes well. Uh, Zoom. And share screen. And there. Share. Okay, can you see it? Yep. Yep, certainly can. Oh, yes. I have plenty of those broken laying around. So those are the arms that go on the inside of the deluxe joystick. And as you can see... um, I've never seen those parts before. Well, take the screws off your deluxe joystick and you'll see those on the inside. I bet. At your own risk. Now, is there (laughs) similar parts inside the uh, color mouse and the deluxe color mouse? I have no idea because um, I've not taken them apart, or at least not in a time frame that I can remember. <laughs> I usually don't have to take the joystick apart to find out. I just shake it, and if it rattles a lot, good chance those are broken. <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, the the Black Beauties aren't going to have arms like that because uh, those arms were based on the fact that you could go into like a free-floating mode or a spring-loaded mode. The Black Beauties are basically just a, a ball in a socket, basically, and the uh, and t- two shafts going to the potentiometers. Are those plastic as well, sh- or are they metal? I, I think John. they're metal in the Black Beauties, aren't they? Um, I, I'm assuming they're probably just metal because there's it's just yeah. a potentiometer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. Pretty sure they're like a little metal <laughs> with a slot cut in it. Yeah, that's neat. I use that same uh, Cura software on my 3D printer, too. What's kind of interesting there is that there must have been obviously different versions of the Deluxe because he's showing a U-shape there with an L-shape. And here, I mean, I know he's sharing that if you guys can, but in mine, I have one that the bottom is off of right now, and my Deluxe has just two L-shape, and that's it. Well, he's currently... He designed replacement arms that probably work best for 3D printers. Um, so I don't know. Robert Murphy in the chat saying the U-shape is newer. So apparently they switched the design at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think they were okay. too. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, uh, if you stop sharing, David, uh, we can get Brian to show uh, what his alternate one looks like. I need and I'll, to... I'll need Brian to keep talking and other people to be quiet so we don't um, take away his video. Here's the. 
All right. I'll just close it because for some reason I couldn't get the screen back. All right. Let me spotlight Brian. Hold on one second. Okay. Look, looks like they're both curved. Yeah, they're both kind of that uh, the L yeah. shape, not a full U. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yep. And this one here is a uh, the TRS eighty one. Oh, okay. Doesn't even say Tandy. So that's the original one button deluxe. No, there's two. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I would have thought the U shape one would have been stronger. Because it's kind of like an arc. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I was kind of looking it at it. That, uh, yeah, with the yeah, that U shape, it would have gone around and maybe uh, it would have supported on both sides versus yeah, just yeah. Uh, the one. Yeah, yep, that would make sense. So maybe that's the original, and the U shape was the the newer one. Yeah, maybe when they rebranded them as Tandy versus TRS eighty, as Robert yeah. Murphy was mentioning. I just think it's really cool. Like three uh, D printers, when they first announced them, I thought, well, who wants to do these little cheap melted plastic things to try to fix some metal piece? But actually, there's so much stuff that was made of plastic back in the day. You can replace all kinds of things now. It's you repair a bread machine, you can repair a joystick. You know, it's whatever you. When you think about it, it's kind of like the FPGA for parts. Yeah, literally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good, good analogy. Yeah, I've heard of someone printing a missing Lego piece from a Lego uh, kit. And like one, with, one, with, one piece with rounded edges, so it didn't with rounded edges, so it doesn't hurt when you step on it. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't uh, about a year ago? Wasn't there a link or something on Facebook or something for the little tabs on the bottom, the little lock mechanisms that we we're talking about? I thought somebody had done those at one time. Is my memory right or wrong on that? Have have no idea. I didn't see it in the file section, but um. You know, unfortunately, with Facebook, good good luck finding stuff unless you <laughs> know exactly how it was yeah. worded. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have uh, something news related to uh, related to that uh, dragon thing that Curtis was showing earlier. The demo, yeah. Um, it it runs <laughs> perfectly on a Coco Two. Uh, I'm or at least in Mame, I'm running it and it runs fine. Uh, it timing is off a little bit different. You know, slightly different. Um, and the way they did the audio is um, there's a cassette file that has the binary, but there's also an MP3 that has the binary file audio. And then immediately following that, the MP3 audio. Uh, so you apparently, you know, load it like into an MP3 player and load it as a cassette file and just execute it. So, and, and it, it turns the motor and the audio on and just yeah. keeps playing the audio there's a WAV and an MP3 version, depending which one you download. So if you want to transfer it to a real tape, you can do that as well with the WAV version because it just has the audio output. And whereas the MP3 is obviously a compressed format. That's if you're loading yeah. it from a phone or something. Yeah. So they did the uh, the audio like on a synthesizer or however they did it and then just tacked it down to the end of the binary file. And uh, when it executes, it just keeps playing the audio source. And yep. uh, so the music comes in off that. But it runs like a... It looks like a top. I mean, if you want to see it, I can share my screen real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I got it loaded up and what ready to go. The speed difference between the two. So yeah, it. Uh, now I'm not going to have the music. I could try and sync the music along with it, but no, that's um, fine. I just um, it's I right. know what the music sounds like. So yeah, uh, let me see here. How do I share? Start share and uh, see desktop. Okay, can you see my desktop? Yeah. Okay, back. I'll see if I can do this here. And then, I don't know if you can hear my audio. 
No. No. Okay. Then, uh, so you can see the speeds a little bit a little different. Faster. Yeah, a little faster, and the text part is a little slower. It seems like. But yeah, uh, this is a Coco Two uh, in Mame, and uh, and it runs right out of the box uh, perfectly, Sneak. all the way to the what? end. And everything. I wonder which VDG it's emulating because the font looks like it's a very uh, formatted to the top of it's a character higher. cell. That might be a T1. That might be a mm. T1. Yeah. Do Coco 2B or Coco 2? Uh, I think I did 2B. Yeah, that's the T1. Yeah, yeah it's T1. That would be the T1. Yeah. Is that what the difference is between 2 and 2B? Yeah, the 2B has got the T1 VDG of lowercase, and the fonts are not aligned the same as the original. 2B right. or not 2B? Yeah. It's the descenders uh, on the on the lowercase. Or yeah. space rather for the descenders. I'm I I'm gonna later on I'm gonna run it on my co my real hardware just to see it running on the real hardware. It probably won't run on a Coco three though, because of the VDG mode here with the It it didn't because when I first ran it I ran you, main You I, can I make the... it run. You can make it run, but you do miss out on that, that text effect. And yeah. and one of the text colours. Um, you just have to do a poke beforehand to activate SG12 mode, and then the rest of it runs normally. Yeah, the oh, I see what you're saying. That graphic. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, that was. I thought that was neat. It ran just right out of the box. Absolutely. It must not be relying on anything ROM wise. It's just you know, uh, you know, in that respect, the Dragon and the Coco are identical. They both use 6809. They use both use the SAM and the VDG and all that. So if you're not relying on ROM or anything, it, for the most part, you know, unless there's some interrupt issues, uh, for the most part, it's pretty close to identical. But there you go. Let me stop oh. sharing here. Very cool. Uh, one one follow up question I had with the first item that you had there with uh, Jim Brain's uh, uh, keyboard interface. Um, I haven't gone to look at the video yet, but would you have to throttle back the baud rate? Could you actually feed the characters too quickly? And the that the you have to ask Jim. I I don't know too much of the okay. details as far as pushing okay. it to the limit. Is he still in the chat? He might be. Maybe he can answer that. That's, that's all the news. Question. Oh, sorry, that's, a, that's an interesting question because the uh, it's it's piping it in through the keyboard interface, right? Yeah. So it's not using the serial port. So it's not confined to the limits of the the serial. It'd be the limits of basic itself, how fast I can interpret the key presses. Yeah. Well Jim's so saying he he did have to slow it down for the input. Yeah. I was say, probably it's be, slow. If it, if basics involved, <laughs> it's gonna be pretty slow. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to get a real operating system like Nitrous Nine to keep up, obviously. So <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, the keyboard interrupts uh, not the interrupt the keyboard um polling routines in basic were very inefficient. Yeah, well they improved them in one of the later ROMs too, so it depends what ROM you have too. Mm. Uh, Jim's answering the questions now. He's saying he's found a few issues. Uh one you have to keep a key press long enough to register, which is around uh, 30 milliseconds for down and then 30 milliseconds for up. So a total of 60 milliseconds for one full keystroke. Yeah, they do that because okay. there's a, a debounce routine built into it. So you don't get multiple triggers on each key press. 
Right. Right. And some, somebody uh, on Facebook was working on rewriting the debounce routines for the cocoa because I guess they were really in, inefficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also saying another uh, delay in basic is basic takes long after you hit return because it, of course, has to process the line it itself to and tokenize the it. Whole thing. Yeah. He said that takes like up to 200 milliseconds after every return. Wow. Yeah. Still, still a lot better than typing it by a, hand, I'll say. Yeah, well, that's 200 milliseconds. Wanna, is a, that's a fair delay. I want to welcome Diego to the uh, to the room. Oh, hi, Diego. Sorry, I didn't even see you came on. Diego, good yeah. to see you, man. How you doing? Lurking in the shadows. Pardon me? Lurking in the shadows. Lurking in the shadows. That's all right. A little creepy, but that's okay. Glad you're here with us, man. Hey, Diego, we're going to be doing our Game On segment next. And we've been pretty consumed with Donkey King this week. So I didn't get a chance to look at the preview you sent me. But would you like to talk about any updates on your... um, current game project um well i mean the the game it's it's ready i just i i missed the live show last week and it was just a few days later that i saw it on youtube and that people actually seem to prefer one of the screen one zero color you know the green blue and yellow Okay, so, just for my OCD purposes, do you want to roll the game on credits? Switch over to the game on. Well, we ha- we're not starting yet. I was just. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, um, I was just kind of prepping Diego when we switched the game on. Would he like to? Yeah, we, we, let's lead with Diego oh. then, because then he can kind of give us the update. All right. Well, then we're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come back with game on. All right. And guest host again, Nick Moroda for part of it. Yes. All right. So we'll be back yes. after this commercial break. A whole new approach. Faster than ever. A window to a world of possibilities. Clear your expectations. Just hit clear. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. Turn after these messages. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 color computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D, 
Dungeon Crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website and download our latest games. My fellow Americans, Australians, Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Cocoa Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay goodness it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and cocoa nostalgia so please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer thank you very much Coco 2 the color computer with personality from Radio Shack. Sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2 do what you want to do. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at cocoman.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake, and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear, and he will grant you a product idea. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. You're watching Coco Talk. We now return you to Coco Talk. Alright everybody, get ready for Game On! That segment where we talk about Coco Gaming, news, reviews, interviews, sneak peeks, you name it. Are you ready to get your game on? All right, guys, welcome back. Yes, Game On, one of my favorite segments, because that's a uh, big reason I wanted to get Cocoa Hardware again was for the gaming. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to our resident game encyclopedia, our gaming maestro, Mr. Uh, L. Curtis Boyle. Oh, I thought that was Stevie Stroh. Sorry, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> You'll fit in just fine, then. <laughs> well, f- well, first off, since we have a guest who just came on and is discussing his new game that's just about ready to release, uh, we'll let Diego talk about that first. Diego. Okay. First, first yeah. unmute. No pressure. No pressure. 
So just remind uh, people who may not have seen the original, what, what is the game that you're working on and current status? Okay, so the game is sort of a cross between uh, Tetris, Bejeweled, and things like those. Um, you have to load some cargo ships with cargo containers and balance them in the way that you don't sink the ship by putting too much weight to one side or to the other. Once you load one of the ships, it leaves the dock, uh, the ships move, you get a new one, and speed increases a little bit. So it goes from, at first, it's kind of, you got a, enough time to think, but then it becomes quite fast, and you got to just drop your containers where you can. And um, the idea of the game, it's also, I'm trying to make a, a single version that will work fine in Coco 1, 2, 3, and I'm trying to include uh, some speech from the old sound speech pack. Nice. Cool. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Fighting a little bit with MAME because I, I can't really set up my, my real Coco with that. I had some problems with my MPI. Last oh. couple of times I used it, it blew my CPU, and I don't want to do that again. Ooh. No. Good. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I probably plugged it to, to 20 volts here, and the MPI was 110. Oops. So, yeah. Uh, I got to be a bit careful with that. And one of the challenges that I have is the color set that actually changes a lot between the color 1, 2, and color 3, although they're supposed to be the same. They're not. They, they look different. And I don't have a, a one or two to check it. So I was going with the emulators. And they really, really, really look very different. Uh, I checked with MAME. I checked with XROAR. I checked with Mocha. And colors look so different that I was surprised. That's what I was asking everyone about what color combination they thought would look better. If, if I can share my screen for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, good. I'm going to show you what I, I mean. Okay. So can you see? Yeah. Yeah. So this oh, is yeah, well. doing a Cocoa 3. And here I have Mocha. And here I have uh, XROAR. They do all look different. Obviously, the oh, one right looks the best. Yeah, the, the, the one for VCC, it's actually, I'm, I'm using a custom palette for... Oh, palette hacks. Colors. So, yeah, to make it look as, as good as possible. Uh, but as you can see, this one, I mean, the orange and the magenta or whatever, they... Yeah. And... Yeah, like Cyan looks green there almost. It, yeah. yeah. So, of the two on the left, the top one looks better. Right. Because you can uh, distinguish the colors a little bit. But I think the issue Diego's hitting here is that this is the exact same, same color image set, on different emulators. Just on each emulator is so different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I mean, people will play in a real computer or will play using XROR or will play using one or another. And I try to, you know, give the, the best to everyone. So what I did, uh, I actually went <clears throat> as. Some of you suggested, and I made the, the change to the other color palette. So I'm going to 
play for loose here. And this is how it looks. Okay. And that's not terrible. No. Now, did you draw that in code? Is that programmed or software? It is. It's full code. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of the way that I've been doing most of my games. Um, The graphics are uh, written in a different program, and I just save the pictures. This is something with X4. I don't know if you're hearing the system sound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you see the colors look much closer one to the other. This is much, much better, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If you're trying to get a consistent between them, this is the closest. Right. So what I'll probably do is, uh, if it's a Coco 2 or a Coco 1 or 2, uh, I load this and I'll do the Coco 3, swap the palette, the colors, so it still looks like the way it's doing here, which I think it's the one that looks better. Yeah, I like that one a lot, the the Color Computers 3 one. Yeah. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to stop sharing here. I'm going to share just a VCC. I'm going to show you just a little bit how it plays. This also, it's a, it's a load screen. And okay, so here I have a yellow container, which is mostly light, so I can put it close to the border. Green one, it's the lightest one, and I have to put it on the opposite side so it balances out. You see it's showing a red light, okay. telling me that there's too much weight. Now there is still a little bit too much weight to the left, so the white one that is the heaviest one needs so it's to kind be- of stop sign. Red's danger, green's okay, yellow's like halfway there. Uh, yeah, there. I, th- I don't think there is. Yeah, there is yellow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So now I need to put the weight to the left. You stack one box on top of another. Yes, I can. If I put the white one, if I put it on the left side, it's going to be too much weight to the left. So I go to the right. You see, and I'm start loading the next. Okay. Now this is difficult one. I can't. I'm, I run the risk of losing already. Okay. So here I loaded one of the ships, and the That's weight cool. perfectly matched on both sides. I get an extra bonus and a new ship to load. If you, so you work, you work away from the bottom to the top. Right. And I lost. Yeah, that's neat. So with every ship that you load, uh, the time that you have to drop the next container becomes shorter. After the game's over, you get a count of how many... Uh, awards or badges you got through the game. You have the bronze ones that are for one, the silver ones that are count for 10, 
and you will eventually get gold ones that are count for 100. You get your score. I have a high score. Nice. And they have options to clear the high score table and clear the badge count. If I play again, I keep uh, accumulating badges. Okay. Now, can you save the high scores to disk too? Or? Yep. Everything saved to disk. Nice. So, the first couple of levels are kind of slow to give you time to learn the game and like that, but then it goes faster and you have like about a second to decide where you want to drop your container and do it. Otherwise, it will just drop what it is and probably game over. Oh, so you have to make the decision quicker as time goes on. Right. That's cool. Like Tetris. Yeah. And you see here, you have uh, the bass files, which is the one that actually draws the graphics and saves to the SCR, which is just a picture. That way, uh, the program itself is much smaller. It's easier to debug, maintain, and like that. And if somebody wants to do their own graphics, they just need to put a file, and that's it. Neat. Yeah. Hope so. That's cool. Diego, do you have an expected release date at this point? Um, I'll probably be doing... Uh, probably in a couple of weeks or so, I'm going to, to release it, the version without the speech. Then I'll I'll work on the speech one a little bit later. I'm having troubles with MAME trying to get it to work. Maybe I'm not understanding instructions from the manual. It's been years. And I want to use the, the buffers on the speech pack. Right. Because I guess that's the only way that you can have it speak while... Uh, code keeps running. Otherwise, you need to just push one phoneme or character or whatever at a time in the code. I want it to, you know, speech, have speech while playing, while the game goes on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going cool. over to I'm looking forward to it because it's, it's, it's a pretty neat gameplay. I mean, it's got some similarities with Tetris and stuff, but a, a much different presentation. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, what what what, uh, what price point are we looking at for this? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Um, oh, it's, is it the Nightmare Highway price model? You're competing with Nightmare yeah. Highway sales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I'm trying to make plans to be at Coco Fest this year. Awesome. Oh, cool. Awesome. If make it there. Please. I'll try to have, you know, like an SD card with all my games, printed manuals and some stuff like that. Oh, that'd be cool. Perhaps yeah. for 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah. I'll yeah that'd be awesome. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I hope you can make it. Absolutely. I know it's a big trip for you. Will, will you be offering autographed copies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, will be anyone wanting something like that? We you pose for selfies. <laughs> <laughs> he did for me. So <laughs> probably in front of a Dino Wars mural. But yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll be there waiting. <laughs> That's what I love right now, that there's all this 
active development going on and we're kind of like flies on the wall as things are being worked on, you know? Yeah, I was the fly on the wall on a, a an item that I, I don't know if I should discuss it or not because the person who told me about it didn't say I could or couldn't. But uh, well, then, when in doubt, yeah, err on the side of caution. Then, yes, yeah. yeah. Let's just uh, suffice to say it's a uh, mm-hmm. something dealing with uh, Coco VGA. <laughs> you let the cat out of the bag now. <laughs> That's a good teaser. <laughs> It's something. I, I I have an announcement. It's something involving the cocoa. There you go. There you go. <laughs> one, two, or three, or 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 maybe all of them. It might even run on the cocoa four prototype. Oh, I was just <laughs> gonna say that. <laughs> mm. yeah. Which one? The original one or the Ed Snyder one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a really neat game. Yeah, I like it too. It's cool. And I like how I'm looking forward to trying it. He's got to restore the background as it falls. I don't know. Really, you might really cut into Nightmare Highway sales. Absolutely. (laughs) Fast, fast, super fast. So that's where you want the voice to come in when it says like fast, fast, fast. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you almost got a full stack down there in the bottom, huh? Yeah, I got to make sure also that, you know, instructions are clear and easy to follow and people who hasn't seen the game can get it. I, I showed it to a few co-workers and friends who really, they, I don't think they ever seen a Coco and they seem to like the game, but, okay. you know, they had some problem trying to understand how it was played and the concept behind it. So... I want to make sure that, uh, that I'm going to have a printed manual or printable manual as I did with Curiosity Lines. So okay. I want to make sure that everything is explained somewhat, some way that it's easy to follow. All right, we're having uh, technical difficulties in a live chat, not coming through into the stream now. But for those of you chatting, you know who you are. <laughs> you know what you did. Even if we don't. I don't know what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so restream just here. chat is not picking up the feeds. I'm just here for the free snacks that I, I and I do have to admit I have not received my free snacks yet. I'm disappointed. Okay. <laughs> well, cool stuff, Diego. Thanks for sharing that with us. We look forward to seeing it uh just in a few short weeks, but it sounds a bit the too. Final so. release, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. To to give it a try and maybe give some ideas or suggestions or you know check the difficulty level or whatever, just drop me a note and I'll give you the, the this image. Nice, cool. I'll be keen to uh, try it out with the with the speech pack I got now too. The... That'll be awesome. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys ready for the, the regular Game On news now that we had our special preview? Yes. Okay, let me do some Sharon. Sharon? Who's Sharon? Sharon! How you doing, Sharon? <laughs> hey, first up, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but Aaron was quite sick the last little while here, so they uh, weren't able to record a Coco show the last, uh, well, almost month. 
So they pulled one, and what they've done is they pre-recorded a couple as backup plans in case something happened, which is what happened in this case. So they um, released one that has Canyon Climber and Puyan. It was recorded several months ago. So uh, you can get their reviews of Canyon Climber and Puyan. And they did record a new episode on Friday on the live stream on Twitch, which will be released officially as a podcast on Wednesday on YouTube and any podcast catchers you have. Um, and I will let Nick explain a little crossover thing we're doing with him on that. So that'll wait till his, his little segment comes up. Next up, um, because we've been having our uh, game on Spotlight, which is Nick's segment that he'll be doing with Donkey King this week, um, Alan Huffman of Sabitha Software fame uh, did some uh, work on a how to play these games on Mocha, which is an online, like we were talking about with the Dragon earlier, there's an online uh, Cocoa 1 and 2 emulator that has a lot of games built into itself too. And then he goes through here and explains how to set it up and how to set it up to play, you know, with joystick or, or keyboard-based joystick, et cetera, running it all through the browser. And he actually gives you screenshots shows exactly what to click on and stuff to make it really nice and easy to do. And some of the upcoming games that we'll be doing on the spotlight will also be are also built in here too, so you'll be able to actually play some of those as well. And uh, so, if you don't want to bother installing an emulator, you don't have the real hardware. There's an alternative here to play it online, just through your browser. Now, I haven't had a chance to try the Mocha browser on smartphones. Is it? Has anybody else tried that? Does it work well on there, or is it a bit problematic trying to control it? The c- keyboard is the big problem on on a right. phone. Yeah. Okay. It works, but you can't type anything on the keyboard. You can't get because you can't get a keyboard. It doesn't call up a keyboard on the exactly the browser. Now, if you if you try to do with joystick, does it take like you know finger swipe gestures or anything like that and try to interpret that as joystick, or does it just not run properly? What does work, I found, is if I plug in an external USB keyboard and mouse um, with a USB on the go cable, um, that yeah. seems to work, and you can get it to call up. By moving the mouse around and clicking on something, it'll pull the you you, you don't have to pull the keyboard up because you've got a hardware one plugged in. Okay, so that might work with my Bluetooth keyboard. Like I have a Bluetooth keyboard for my phone that I sometimes yeah, use. That's what, yeah, I've, that. I've got that here. It worked here with fine with mine. Okay, well, that's good to know. Okay, uh, I, I'll do one mention here. I don't have any videos or anything to bring up on this, um, but Stevie, our own Stevie Stroh here, did a multi. Uh, multi-hour marathons playing Donkey Kong this past week. And if you want, if, if, if say like Diego, you know, if English is more of your second language and you want to learn all the English swear words, they're excellent videos to watch. <laughs> um, something, about, something about a chainsaw. Like that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Things to do with a chainsaw. <laughs> but it, it was, it was fun. I mean, watching him improve his scores, getting really frustrated and then actually did, you know, getting better. <laughs> he, did. he made good progress. And, and figuring out tips and tricks. Like he got some suggestions from chat. Yeah. You know, Alan Huffman contributed a few things. I think I might have contributed one or two. And you could Started see him using next. these new techniques and his score going up. So, I mean, it, it definitely worked. And uh, part of the Game On Spotlight segment we'll be doing is to give tips and tricks. So uh, anybody who's played in the Donkey King Challenge or has played Donkey King just on their own and wasn't, you know, officially part of the challenge, uh, when we get to that segment, please share your thoughts, whether through chat, which, I mean, obviously it's not coming through at the moment, but we can read it offline and actually read it out loud on the air and you guys can you know, give any suggestions for that when we get to it and we want to make that a regular part of the game on segment to uh yeah pass so on stuff then people Steve. can revisit the game the following week even though it's not the challenge that week and see if these new tips and techniques they may not have known will improve the scores for themselves 
Absolutely. If it can work for Stevie, it'll work for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Not a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't work, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next one will bring up some discussion here and a little bit of a trivia contest for those who have not seen it. But Chad Edward had a, an excellent question that he posted on the Coco Group and Facebook. Okay, many of us love movie quotes, but what are your favorite quotes from Coco games? And this is both you know speech-based ones with synthesized speech or just a phrase or something that the game throws on the screen that you know as soon as you hear it, you go, oh, I know what that is. So rather than actually go through and, and the list here that of all the comments that have, and there's 55 comments and counting on this, I thought it would be kind of fun uh, for me to rattle off some of these and see if you guys recognize what games they came from. So you're going to stop sharing so we can't see it? Well, no, I'm not going to show you the list. I mean, it's, it's on a totally oh, okay. separate screen. It's not, here, on, so. it's not on screen. Yeah. Okay, so the first one here, um, I Hunger. Is that Fangman? That's Sinistar, isn't it? Sinistar, yep. yeah. Mm. Uh, number two, Taste Terrible. Fangman. Nope. You just keep saying Fangman. Last saying time Fangman. I had lunch <laughs> with Stevie. <laughs> yeah. Any more guesses? Taste Terrible. Not. A deer with no eyes. Oh, I'll fast give you a food? Hint. It's a graphical adventure game. Still a, deal with, a deal with no eyes and no legs. Shenanigans? Still no idea. Nope. Shenanigans or Shamrock, whatever that one was with the. Nope. With the uh, did you suit Larry? King's nope. Quest. Leaves that force nope. of doom. Well, you got half the name right there, uh, David Sear. What did David say? He said King's Quest. Space Quest. Oh, space Quest. <laughs> there's nope. no Space Quest. It's, it's, not, it's not a series. Oh, there was no Space Quest? Oh. Otherwise, yeah, well, yeah unofficially. Not, not officially. There is an unofficial version. King something then? No, the other the other words part of it. Quest. Quest? Graphical Quest adventure game not by Sierra. Coco one and two. I'll give you that extra hint. Dallas Quest. Bingo. Oh yeah. I just guessed. I've never even played it. <laughs> and this this next one, Nick Morota is going to have to verify that this is correct because I can't remember the exact wording. But beware of the unbeatable pterodactyl. Yes. Uh, yeah. In quotes Buzzard for the question. Bite, of course. And and <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, you get that. Um, fight, run, or be friendly. This one I do remember from back in the day. Dino Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that talked. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Coco one and two game. I will give you that. Pass. Here we go, boys again. Okay. Was it a text no. adventure? Well, it's it's text, but it's it's somewhat adventure and somewhat real time RPG style kind of. Force of Doom. Nope. <laughs> I'll give you one more hint. It's by Ardvark. Road cow. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You didn't try Fagman yet, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> Fagman. <laughs> <laughs> Scripts it. <laughs> oh, well, well scripts is cheating because that could be anything. Yeah, spectacular. <laughs> it's Quest. If you've ever played that game, Quest. Uh, that was what it was called. Just Quest. Yeah, it was one that actually randomized the maps. So it actually played different every time, and you you got towers, and you had to build up your troops and get your supplies and stuff. And then whenever you got into an encounter, you were given the option to fight, run, or be friendly. 
and try to like bribe them with coins or something. Mm. So, okay, I don't know sure if I'm going to pronounce this one correctly, but I do remember this one as well. Invocare Episcopus, Black Sanctum, Bingo. That was an easy one. Expectro Both the text Patronum. and the graphic version. Sorry, what was that, Steve? Sound like a Harry Potter thing, like Expectro Expelliarmus or something. <laughs> <you> know, so. <laughs> Okay, this next one, anybody who doesn't get this one should be shot in the head. We gotcha. <laughs> Mega, oh, Mega crap. <laughs> Mega Fangman. Yeah, you're right. Mega Fangman. <laughs> yeah, Mega Bug, obviously. And then one of my personal favorite games, and there's, I'm going to give three quotes that are from that one. Prepare to die. Try again, fool. Are you still here? What was the guess? Photon. Photon. Correct. Um, another fairly obvious one. Welcome aboard, Captain. Sea Dragon. Bingo. With the accordion. As an accordion player, I approved. <laughs> <laughs> another In one fact, let be- me get it for you. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> and another one everybody the show. Get. Press the button. <laughs> <laughs> another one everybody should get here. And yet another does not return. Dungeons oh, Dungeons. Bingo. And there's one particular person in the panel who better get this one. Angry Angelo has struck again. <laughs> Donut dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would Lord have been severely disappointed if man for every guess here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been severely disappointed if Nick didn't get that one. <laughs> Angry Angelo has been deported. <laughs> <laughs> He's got coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. I have a hardware problem. Marty's not uh, yeah. Ma- yeah. And do you know who voiced the speech for that? Marty? Uh, Marty Goodman. Nope. Steve Bjork? Yep. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's not too. <laughs> that's David Ladd. <laughs> really? Yeah, playing Predator. Really? <laughs> oh, really? We need to get that game in, that voice in the game. <laughs> Up yours. I have three left. We'll go through quickly here. You are in a dark, dense, damp jungle. No, I'm not. I'm in my kitchen. That's racket too. Yep. Yeah. First try. Good. Good move. <laughs> Another one. Plague still rampant. Only Zendos knows the cure. Fangman. <laughs> <laughs> the David Ladd adventure. It's it's not punny enough for Fangman there, Stevie. Sorry, what was oh David Ladd Adventure? Nope. I'll I'll give you my first hint. It's a graphical adventure game. Plague runs rampant. Plague still rampant. Only Zendos knows the cure. The Oregon Trail. Is it one of the ones in space? The um, it is space based. Yes. Oh, what's it called? Those weird corridors that look like a Star Trek uh, corridors. I'll is give you one a, more clue. It was by Mark Data Products. Revenge? What was that, Stevie? Fembots uh, Revenge? Oh. It's not oh. Trick Bower. Yes, it is. Trick Bower? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the last one, this is a cross-platform one, so even people that aren't that familiar with the Coco should probably know this one, though it's an older game. Leisure Suit Larry. Oh, sorry. You haven't <laughs> said it yet. Easy <laughs> <laughs> there, Leisure Suit Larry. Fangman. <laughs> I think Stevie's hat belongs in Leisure Suit Larry, but no, it's we not need that. to get a quote from Fangman for Stevie. <laughs> I, that that's one they actually haven't mentioned on there, but there's so many of them because every level has a unique one. Yeah. You know, so it is dark. You were eaten by a Gru. 
<laughs> I know the quote, but not the game. Sorg. Bingo. Bingo seems to know his adventure Zork. games. Yeah, oh, Zork. 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 I'm trying to remember, Steve. What were some of the ones in Fagman? Because they had a ton of them. Oh, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> I know they're all vampire blood related, but yeah, and bad puns. Nate, Nate. It was an interesting discussion. So, if you guys have any other favorites, either you know physical speech that you actually hear, or text messages that the game gives that you think really sums up the game to the point where as soon as you hear it, you know what it is. Post them yeah, on there and let some other people try to guess. So. The best one I recall was Fury by Computer Shop. <laughs> I, I, that was on the list, but I mean, that's obvious. It explains itself, so I couldn't use it. I have one for you. <laughs> oh, go ahead. If you got it for free, you paid too much. Uh, Nightmare Highway. <laughs> Popstar Pilot. Oh, sorry. Um. <laughs> that's good. Actually, Fury by Computer Shack was a funny one because one person kind of being a little bit sarcastic. We had some other sarcastic answers like loading. That's a famous <laughs> one. Uh, nowhere. Everybody hated that game. Um, but there was one. I'm trying to remember where. Basically, so the free kid by Computer Shack, but because of speech synthesis and that one was kind of rough, he actually gave his interpretation. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> That's about Me right. Tasha. Me, Tasha, for a megabuck. Me, Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, IOware, I wasn't very fond of that game. <laughs> especially on cassette there's a few of those Every games game. do that <laughs> i like when you put tetris into a 16k coco 2 it says not enough not enough memory <laughs> yeah sn air and actually i did hit a couple of commercial basic games that actually hit that Tim franklin says you're getting thirsty what game is that from <laughs> oh geez Sands uh, of yeah. oh, was we? that uh did you see that thing someone posted a? Uh, if you say print mem, if you choose print mem, it shows you how much memory there is. But if you tr- you say print memory, it returns negative one because it's pretty. It's, it's mem or why? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's oring mem with with why. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Paul's infidel <laughs> dog. That's another racketeer quote. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that's racketeer. Yeah, that's at the beginning when you're trying to get into the building. Yeah, when you got the guards circling around, you have to time your right. I remember oh, being absolutely shocked. Ken, when Ken I read, mentions uh, you're getting thirsty, Sands of Egypt. Yeah. I remember being absolutely shocked as a teen reading Roller Over in the Clover. That was the Shamrock game I was talking about earlier, Shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mark Data. And of course, we had the uh, R rated uh, text adventure games like Madame Rose's Massage Parlor, which I didn't want to repeat any of those. So. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I guess mine was Borderline. I'm sorry. There <laughs> <laughs> goes our family rating. Have a need after dark yet? <laughs> anyway, that's that an interesting one. Go, go participate in that. I'm sure that you guys can think of some other ones too. Yeah, so. that's a great topic. Uh, next up, <coughs> Alan Huffman uh, pointed a link here to the history of Rampage. Now, this video has been out for months, and I think we might have even covered it back in the day because it basically takes the arcade game and then it compares the official ports with it. And actually, the Coco one ranked quite well. Um, yeah, it was a big I think we had covered this before, like months ago. I, I couldn't I find so, it. Yeah. Quickly, but I don't know if we did. Because he's done yeah, multiple just... ones of these, and we've actually covered a few of them in the past. 
but it's a it's a pretty interesting it's it's a fairly long video i'm not going to play it here but it basically it goes okay. through the arcade game first and then the various ports and what he thinks of them compared to the original arcade this version. was on amigos retro gaming maybe that's how we talked about it mm. yeah i do remember the discussion about it okay well make sure yeah it looks like fred posted the link okay okay cool uh, next up, another just slight discussion topic. Now, I don't know how many people here were into flight simulators, but the question came up from, and I don't know how I'm going to butcher his name here. Unless, Dave, can you pronounce his name? It looks like it might be closer to your language than mine. Queiroz. Queiroz. Murilo Queiroz. Murilo Queiroz. There we go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly less embarrassed like now. Antonio Banderas. No, we don't, we don't plan plan say goodbye. When it's Q U, we don't pronounce the U, but it's Kados. Okay. Anyway, his question was, and he says everybody knows that the Coco Three. It's not MS; it's actually uh, Sublogic. But Coco Three Flight Simulator Two is amazing. But what are the vi- best flight sims for the Coco One and Two? And he mentions P Fifty One, and he was asking if there's any others. And there's been numerous ones. There's Worlds of Flight by Tom Mix, Flight Sixteen by Tom Mix, Instrument Flight Simulator. Others oh. uh, of uh, shuttle simulator which is kind of it, it's like that uh, p51 obviously uh, flight sim one from radio shack itself that was a glenn greg greg Zumwaltz. and there's a couple others too there was another one by the company that uh, creative software i think it was the guys at um, 80 micro owned did a, another one uh moon pilot or mountain pilot i think it was called so there's been a bunch of these i was just wondering for anybody here who actually did play with the flight simulators back in the day for the coca one and two what your favorites were and why That's no pilots in the audience. Hmm. Uh, I, I always play the P-51, and I remember uh, being able to hook up with a friend and doing yeah. player at home. It uh, was amazing. Yes. Uh, I know yeah. it, it wasn't, of course, not realistic at all, but it was faster. <laughs> the, the other ones, like Worlds of Flight and like that, you got like two frames a second, three frames a second. So with P-51, it was much faster. And you need a crossover serial cable to do that, right? Yep. yep. And the neat thing about it was if you were doing the multiplayer, you know, there was actually a a person controlling the other character, which, you know, today it's kind of, it's like uber common yeah. <laughs> to be in a, a world with, you know, 30 or 40 other, char- you know, actually real players. But back then, you know, back then it was a... Yeah, yeah if, you, if you actually had a modem too, you didn't need the serial cable. You actually play with somebody across the country, and it worked fine because it worked at three or twelve hundred baud. And I know some people that I did yeah. play it that way. Yeah, I, the one time I played it, uh, it was a my me, a friend of mine. I, I worked for Radio Shack. My friend was a Radio Shack manager, and this other Radio Shack manager we knew, um, he was into the color computers as well. And he from his house he played, uh, and then me and my friend were at my friend's house, and we were playing uh p51 over the modem yeah i mean the coco had a couple modem games i, I know chad has mentioned looking at the disassembled source code for karate by dicom that it was originally intended to be an over the modem game though that never got released but we had p51 we had there was a checkers there was a chess um othello there's a there's a few and there's some you know online bbs style games but uh, it was something that p51 i think was way ahead of its time for platforms in general because i don't know of anybody else that was doing over the modem real-time, you know, fighting games like this back in, like, 84. Yeah. I'm aware of, even on other platforms, I don't think it was common. So 
that was definitely uh, no. the model one had a uh, a flight, believe it or not, had a flight simulator. It simulated uh, hmm. Curtis Jenny. Well, I remember that, but it wasn't it wasn't playable over the modem, was it? No, no, no. It was, but it was a because that was Sublogic's very first one was the T eighty flight sim one. Yeah, for the model one. I, I will mention, like uh, like Diego was mentioning, like Worlds of Flight and some of these other ones that were you know more technically flight simulators than P fifty one was. Um, did run quite slow on the Coco One too, but that was one nice thing on the Coco Three. They weren't you know V sync locked or anything, so if you did the double speed poke, they actually started playing at a pretty decent clip. Yeah, I should six or nine eyes one of those suckers one of these days. That's that put that in the back of my head. Remind me after rush season's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't have enough on your plate as it is, Curtis. You need more. No, I don't. I believe rush season is January through December. <laughs> January through the <laughs> middle of December. I've got a couple week window there. <laughs> okay, and the next one here is uh, Jim Gary has released an MC10 version of Pentominoes, which is actually a game you can buy in stores as a physical thing. And I've never played it, so I can't really comment on the gameplay or anything here. Is anybody else familiar with this game? I remember seeing it in you know, Toys R Us and stuff. I played the physical game in Domino's. I'm not one sure of my favorite games back in the well, it's day. Domino's. It's not, it's not regular Domino's. It's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Well, I assume each piece has a common, like the W's form one piece, the I's form another. And it looks like yeah. maybe you have to connect with the ones of the same letter that you're selecting or something. I'm not sure how that works. Isn't it kind of like a real-life Tetris or something that you have to actually put the pieces together in the shape, something like that? Sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> anyway, there, there's a, another, you know, from the thousands of games yeah. in Gary's Port. This is our game for next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last of the regular game on news I got. Now, up next is a brand new segment that Nick Morota is in charge of called the Game on Spotlight or a Game on Spotlight Challenge. I don't even know if that's Iron and Stone. Or Game on yet. Challenge. You can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. I don't know what we call it, but yeah. Doesn't matter. The Nick Marota Fun Hour. That's what we're going to call it. That's, that's right. Nice. And it was yeah, fun. I really want to thank everybody who uh, <clears throat> who joined in. It really uh, reignited my love for Donkey King. I forgot how much I love that game. Now, and, Nick, before before we get too into the actual gameplay here, do you want to kind of explain how the idea came about, what it is, in case anybody has not seen Coco Talk in the last week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not quite sure how uh, the idea was spawned by one of our uh, chat uh, frequenters, and he's also on Discord, uh, Mr. Dave sixteen oh nine, who actually lives not too far from I, from me. Uh, he's a really good guy, and um, yeah, he just threw in the idea. It'd be really cool to have some sort of a gaming competition, and we just kind of were talking back and forth, and uh, through chatter and uh, Discord and that, and uh, yeah, this the idea was born from that. So every week we choose a game. Um, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. But every week uh, we, we choose a game and the challenge, it's just a friendly competition. There's no prizes. It's just bragging rights and just sort of just, uh, I, th- I found it a lot more fun to play when I knew I was kind of like competing for scores against other people. And uh, I ended up playing Donkey King a lot this week. So um, yeah, so every week we'll choose a game and it'll, just be, it'll be the game of the week and you just play it. 
post your high scores and we will talk about them on the following show. Um, I also want to mention too, that we, we do want to concentrate on the high score, like getting the high score is not the primary purpose. We want to get people to try these old Coco games that they may not have tried before or may not have tried in decades like me, but basically encouraging people to, you know, pick, pick the old games out and, and start playing them and, 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 you know, Post that you've played them, and if you don't get the highest score, it's not a big deal. And we did start with a high-profile game. Doc King was definitely one of the top-tier games. We, I mean, we're hoping to visit all kinds of games uh, that can be, uh, you know, measured kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. So this week, we actually had 11 people who, who played. So I'm just going to mention them real quick, alphabetically. Uh, this, is nothing to do with, this has nothing to do with scores. This is alpha. Uh, by, their, by their handles, we had Alan C. Huffman. Ben VR Drakes, Boat of Car, who is John from the Amigos Retro Gaming uh, podcast, Just Mike, uh, Al Curtis, <laughs> yeah, Al Curtis, Al Curtis, never heard of him. <laughs> I'll skip that useless git. Uh, Lee, <laughs> Mister Dave sixty eight oh nine, who is the uh, inspiration for this. Nico sixty eight, who is me. Uh, OG Stevie Stroh, Rob Inman, and the Devil Bunny, who is Aaron from Amigos Retro Gaming. So we had the Amigos Retro Gaming guys. Oh, we, we lost Nick. Oh. <laughs> I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, hello? Nick, Nick we back. lost you for about five seconds there. So you hello? were just mentioning that we had the Amigos Gamers there. Nope, for Can you now, Nick? Nope, he's gone again. He's in you can't hear me? Sometimes we can. You're, you're going, Canada's, if you can hear us, you're going in and out, Nick. Part of Canada is underwater. Currently out. <laughs> the half of Canada that, that El Curtis Boyle is not in is underwater. <laughs> so, Nick, if you can hear us, maybe just uh, hang up and call back in and see if the straight, straight the connection out. Nick, test one. Mm. He's going All right, so how about off. we do this? Nick, Hello? Uh, Nick, you're back. Hello? Oh, we got your video back too. So okay, good. Yeah, I had an internet internet issue problem earlier. Did I get through the? Did you hear me get through the list of eleven? I think you just finished off with Aaron, and then you cut out. Okay. Uh, so after Aaron, we have uh, no. That's it. Aaron was the last one on the list. So those are the eleven that took part, and we now have a uh, video which is going to show the uh, top ten scores. This video was made by Rob. Uh, so if we could go ahead and roll that video, that'd be great. You got it. What was that score Curtis had? Hold on. I need to start over. I need to start over. <laughs> Plus the sound wasn't there. I, I, I see myself on Zoom. I don't know if that. Uh... What the hell was that score that Curtis had? I think Stevie's envious. Let's try this again. <laughs> I see myself on Zoom. It's 126,900. 
Lee. That's cool music. Love it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mandrake. Yeah. And he's playing the green version. <laughs> Zero. Check in. Or is that just describing Grant in general? That's my question. I tied with Grant. Yeah, me too. See, this, this particular graphic I'm not too fond of because it looks like I've faked something up to make it look like I'm in a rise for because it's not just a plain screen screen. So I, I do know that Curtis knows a magic p- a poke to give you as many lives as you want. I'm not saying he used it. I didn't. He knows <laughs> you, if it you was. watch the video, I put video evidence here that actually <laughs> starts with three men. Uh, and you only no, get three men every 20,000. So It was really fun. And we were kind of leap for well kind of leapfrogging i mean curtis had to score and i had one higher than him and he promised he wasn't going to play anymore this week he was too busy and then <laughs> uh and then he leapfrogged me last night which i thought was really which was really cool it was fun it was unexpected i like i, I was mentioned on the pre-show i had to run my mom to a bunch of doctor's appointments and stuff and it ended up because you know doctor's offices are always late i was out for like three and a half hours and by the time i got back around 7 7 30 at night i was starving and normally I just nuke something quick and get back to work. And I just was too hungry. So I decided to cook a real meal, which you know had to sit in the oven for 45 minutes. So I said, well, I might as well throw it in a couple of games at Donkey King while I'm here, not expecting to get a, a decent score. In fact, my first game, I didn't even make the top 10, you know, the built in, I didn't even make 11,000. But by the fourth game, I had that one. And then my supper was ready. So it was the end of that. But wow. So I know your video, I know you made a video, but I haven't seen it. What do you remember what level you made it to? Uh, well, I wrapped past one. the pie factory. I got to the second <laughs> elevators somewhere. I can't remember the exact. The and fourth round or something or fifth round. Well, you were obviously trying to maximize score, get as many uh, barrels and all that kind of stuff. Well, doing a mixture of both. On the earlier levels, I was trying to get the uh, score. And I have some different techniques for that. And when we get to the, the part where we're discussing tips and tricks, I'll go into a bit more detail there. But on the later levels, yeah, it was just survival at that point because there's too much going on. You get more barrels. You get more fireballs even on the uh, rivet screen up to like six at a time you're having to dodge. So it's a bit of a different gameplay than on the earlier levels. Well, do we want to talk tips and tricks and then we can do the preview for next week and the outro for the segment? Does that sound good? Yeah, first thing I want to say, I want to say thanks to Mr. Dave for bringing this up. The game of the week, right? Yeah. Um, so that's just a great example of somebody watched a show, gave us a suggestion, and this thing took on a life of its own. We all got involved. We were playing with our Cocos. We were playing together. It was this big collective experience. Well, even when you were playing, Stevie, we had we had quite a few people watching and Discord. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I mean, that was, that was, that was fun. This yeah. became and you had multiple great... tips and tricks that you actually tried, and then you, you yeah. have to figure out some new ways of doing them that we hadn't <laughs> thought of, so... The douche move, as Stevie was yeah, calling until yeah. he started using it, and then all of a sudden it became cool. Well, I don't know how that worked. <laughs> <laughs> so this was just a great seeing the community come together, having fun. You know, the spirit of just yeah. good times. So and that was great the goal. Suggestion, honestly. That's the goal. Yep. Um, so thanks, Mr. Dave, for doing that. And I hope this continues and becomes a thing and gets us all more involved and engaged and connected. 
Yep. Absolutely. And I'd also like to thank uh, Ken Riker for saying, uh, sure, L. Billy Mitchell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to make the Billy Mitchell joke. Thank you for doing that, Ken. And isn't uh, Nicholas Marentes going to show you how to use Photoshop to achieve high school? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Putting in all the time. How about before we get into tips and tricks, why don't you go ahead and tease or announce what the game challenge is going to be for next week? Okay, sure. We can definitely do that. So, um our game this week is actually inspired through a crossover with Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, their their next show will be dropping sometime this week. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. But uh, one of the games they did is the game that we are going to be doing next week, which... Oh, I was going to show it on my... Can I show it in VCC or... You can. I have to stop sharing. Go ahead. Is... Drum roll. Can you see that? Oh, doodle bug. Doodle bug. That's uh, it's another arcade conversion. That's uh, it's a very good conversion. Uh, you can see um, Amigos Retro Gaming review on, on that game. And um, as Curtis said, their next episode will be dropping on uh, Wednesday. So if you go to youtube.com slash Amigos Retro Gaming. So this is the game we're doing. We're going to be doing crossovers with them uh, once in a while. So I want. So we're going to do six lives. Um, is that maximum? Sele- it, it's selectable with the joystick, and we want to pick one that's going to be okay with digital or analog. So we figured either extreme. So six lives will be the uh, what you choose to play, and highest score. And um, again, the uh, um, we have all week to play it. Yep, and you can play it on emulators, including the Mocha one we. I highlighted here that you can play online. You can use VCC, MAME, XWare, etc. Um, you can use Real Coco one, two, or three. Um, if you find the cassette version, it'll work on a 16k Coco, and uh, I think the disc version requires 32k, if I remember correctly. It's written hey. by David Crandall and uh, from Computerware originally. I cannot find my Zoom window to stop sharing. Can you make me stop sharing? Uh... I'm going to see about that right now. Yeah. I haven't checked yet, but I guess that's on the SDC images. Oh yes, it's oh, yeah. uh, it's on it's in the usual places. Yep. Yep. And there's also oh yeah, that's that's right. It works on the Coco Three and everything, so there's no problems there. Yeah, and it's a clone of Ladybug from the arcade, just in case you didn't know if you're not familiar with the arcade game. Yeah. And there's actually, if you watch the Amigos Retro Gaming, they have some strategies on scoring, and then uh, I'm sure we'll discover our own as we go. I will mention too for people that are on Twitch, the place that is famous for sharing you know live gameplay, and, stuff. <laughs> oh, and I think a few Sorry. people on our panel are on on Twitch. Uh, they, if you can want want to watch the full three and a half hour recording of all their shows they record on Friday, which is the Amiga show for the Amiga itself, and then they've got the Sinclair ZX Spectrum, and then they've got the Coco show. So if you fast forward, you can actually watch it before Wednesday if you want to kind of check it out beforehand with pretty funny banter in between each one. Yeah, there's a lot of you know pre and post uh, bonus show on the on the live stream version that you don't get on the uh, the, the truncated podcast version. So earlier in the live chat, um, Robert Murphy was asking, uh, "I wonder if um, Sockmaster is going to examine the video frames of uh, L. Curtis Boyle's <laughs> high score." So. I heard he yeah, L. Billy Mitchell. Yeah, L. he Billy used Mame. I don't know what that. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like the Zapruder film, frame <laughs> yeah, by frame. 
Mame is allowed on this one. I want it from the Knoll. That's what I did. Yep. The it grassy should be on the Knoll. color computer archive, Robert. It's called Doodle. Doodle.dsk. Yeah, Doodle. And uh, I, I, you know, so uh, not to not to confuse myself, I'm going to try not to play uh, Buzzard Bait again this week by mistake. <laughs> I think maybe maybe I'll play Lancer by mistake instead. I'm not sure yet. That would be the better choice. What about the Phantom Riders? <laughs> you know, this debate will rage on forever. Phantom no, it's going to rage on Buzzard Bait. It's going to rage on until November because both Nick Morota and I have birthdays in November. So on his birthday, we're going to spotlight buzzard bait and then on my birthday at the end of the month we'll spotlight lancer and then we'll let the the public decide and maybe we'll throw phantom Men- phantom phantom menace phantom riders in one of the other weekends in that month to call it yeah we can kind of like a theme it just close I mean, here at the end of this never <laughs> <laughs> even, even if we would have a about that, marco <laughs> it will not resolve anything it'll just be for fun <laughs> The, so the, we want to talk about uh, tips and tricks on yeah. So what kind of tips and strategies tricks you guys uh, find? I thought I was smart because I discovered the one about the uh, score. The it, when you jump barrels and pop the rivets is related to the last three digits of your timer. But apparently Stevie knew that even back in the day. So yeah, uh, I did too. That was not a well-known task. But, I knew that. And I assumed um, the arcade was like that too, and it turns out it's not. So that's a Donkey King exclusive. So when we're going for score, like we were this time, that's a, that's a valuable, uh, you know, because obviously if the timer is at zero at uh, ends in zero zero zero, you might want to wait a tick, and then get more really? points. Yeah, no, you Stevie, turned me you- on to. Um, jumping the first barrel out of the gate that turns into the fireball. So you suggested that, and I started doing that. That gives you 800 points right away. And then um, Alan Huffman mentioned you could kind of jump that fireball a couple of times, and you get like three to four jumps, depending on how you time it, out of the gate. So I've actually gotten like 3,400 points making it to the first ladder to get to the second tier. That's like if you let the fireball insane. come close to you and then start jumping it, just as it's keep following. jumping. Yeah, you can get three to four jumps sometimes. Yeah, so it's a great way to start. Yeah, that that trick I knew about the backwards jumping. I didn't. I haven't done any of the ones I've done there. Uh, you know, for competing on this one, but that one where you actually went to the left towards the fire pit uh, before the barrel. That, I've never seen that before. I never tried that. I always did the go to the right side and then you know backwards jump to get the bonus points once a fireball is launched, but the jumping the initial barrel there from the left, I'd never done that before. So that was a new one on me. I think Alan said the same thing. Yeah. Well, I came you, you said you jumped it. I wasn't sure how that's the method I came up with. So yours yeah, is I, a lot more reliable and easier. So yeah. I'd take a step to the right and then just jump straight up when the barrel is in the right place and you get the mm. points for it. But you took it, uh, you took it a different direction, which was cool. And I mean, I have a bunch of tips hammers. and tricks I'll give, but I'll let you guys discuss yours yeah. first, and then if I'll chime in if it's something similar to something I have, but I'll let you guys so we'll go first here. I do have one. It's called Don't Die. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do what Stevie does. Actually, you know what? I, I, Stevie got his gaming reputation back in those when he ended up you know, on the medal podium with a bronze medal. Yeah. Third place, and he kept improving every time he played because um, he was you know trying to get past 50,000, and he, he managed to beat that, and at the time he was going for that, I think 
both Nick and I, our scores were lower than 50 yeah. at that point. So Your you first actually did score was like around 48,000. So my first yeah. goal was to get 50 to beat that. And you so. did accomplish it. It's just that in the meantime, Nick and I yeah. both beat it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but mission accomplished. You, 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 you did it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a oh I I discovered that there was a I fired up the king just for uh, fun and I noticed there def, there were definitely differences in it and then Stevie you mentioned in the interview well uh, with um I'm sorry his name's escaping me Chris, Chris Latham. Latham that he mentioned that he he tweaked some things between Donkey King and the King besides the title um, like for example the very first barrel that Donkey drops um, on the King on Donkey King he drops it right away. On the king, he waits a, uh, a clock tick, like a timer tick. So uh, he definitely tweaks some things between the two games. So, and a, a big, a big shout out to the crossover within our own show is to go watch the Chris Latham interview. That is a fascinating interview. It's a oh yeah, I watched it again the other day. There's so many stories and anecdotes that Chris had. And he joined us one of the nights that Stevie played. Yeah. Chris actually joined us in chat, and he was uh, he he couldn't believe that forty years later we we're still. Getting enjoyment. My, my favorite quote of that whole when when Chris Huffy joined at the tail end of one of Stevie's playthroughs is that Alan Huffman says, I hate this game because he was getting killed a lot. <laughs> he was trying to play it simultaneously. And then Chris pipes in, I hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that video with Chris Latham, Latham I, I didn't see that until just a few months ago. And that's a great video. And just a little uh, teaser with that one is also, isn't there a, there's a actual, uh, some, unknown uh, inf- previously unknown information about sailor man oh, that also cheat wrote. Code and sailor man yes yeah. Yep. Oh. yeah so that's that's worth checking out the video just for that and and speaking of simulations he mentioned how him and his uncle worked on a nuclear power pants simulation for in a rainbow, rainbow magazine thing, and they'd gotten all of their algorithms from a guy who worked on a real plant and <sighs> the simulation was later used by somebody to teach classes. I remember that you dropped the uranium rod in the, uh, uh, so that was a cool story. Yeah. I think I remember that February, and, 1983 rainbow. If I remember correctly, might've been March uh, is where that is in. And it's partly machine language, partly basic, but it's, it's based on like Stevie said, real nuclear reactor. And they actually did use it to teach people how to run a reactor using the cocoa. Yeah. Program. And a product he did that might be a good uh, suggestion for cocoa man is he said he had, crafted a coat hanger where he could reach behind his cocoa to pull and hit the reset. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There's your million dollar idea. Well, that, that, that is funny because that cocoa one that I bought at Dayton Hamvention has been modified and there's a toggle switch on the front of the machine to reset it. Yeah. So, And there was a remote reset back around 82, 83. I remember singing rainbow. That actually was a little thing that reached behind and you just yanked it to hit the reset button too. So that's actually a real product back in the day. I don't think it was a coat hanger specifically. But. <laughs> and I would probably, I would probably suggest using something non-conductive. Yeah. You said it was plastic coated. So. Mm, okay. I had a, a little oil. switch on mine that my uncle put in for me. Cause I'm, I'm I suck at soldering. I don't I, I. Hey, we should also plug. You have lots of other classic interviews with various people. Oh well. yes. Like Dale oh, Lear's yeah. one. Dale Lear, to- Rick Adams, yes. image producer. Rick Adams. Uh, so I'll post the link to the playlist here. Oh, thank you. There yes. is er- uh, Stevie's earliest videos before Coco Talk really. Uh, yeah, some of those things were kind of the predecessor to Coco Talk, where yep. 
we would have these live streamed interviews and um, they were kind of one-offs that happened from time to time. My favorite part of those, sorry. My favorite part of those is that uh, Curtis and Stevie are professional and nice to each other in those early videos. (laughs) Yeah, man, if things change now. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, is that the actual article from the, the simulation? Is that the right one? The simulation of the reactor or is that a different one? Uh, this is the, the, I just grabbed the magazine that you said, which was March of 83. And this was uh, what was in there. Is it, is the Chris Latham, the uh, author of this? Of the uh, this is uh, David. I can't pronounce the last name. Leggy or uh, Lynn. Do you, do you have Lynn, the February? Lynn, can I see the cover of that one magazine? Yeah, I think that's one because that was basically the one they used to kick off the first Rainbow Simulation contest was the one that Chris worked on because Chris Chris did the uh, graphics machine language routines. Okay. It might be mentioned in the REM statements in the listing right at the beginning if you have it there. But. Uh, let's see here. I'm not seeing anything immediately here. I hear somebody playing Doodlebug too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, somebody's getting a head start. <laughs> that is a okay. Yeah, that's me. I didn't realize you guys could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. Fine. That's not the only thing we've heard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there for a bit. I didn't know it was a game. I thought someone was just letting out some See, very quiet fart. testing the fire detector remotely. <laughs> just firing up Photoshop now. Yeah, <laughs> that um, Chris Latham interview was great. So, yeah, highly yeah. recommend you guys watch that. Uh, what about? I hope other we can get him on again. Tricks? Yeah, any more tips and tricks from you guys? I got a bunch I'll list out. So, wasn't well, there a memory address you can poke to change your score? I'm sure. <laughs> there, there's numerous pokes. Donkey King being such a popular game back in the day, there was the published, you know, how to get your extra men. Which I, I stupidly put in the I, not stupidly. I mean, for some people that aren't very good at playing the game and they want to see the levels and actually try them, you can do a poke to either give yourself a lot of extra men, or there's also a poke to change what the starting level is when you start the game. Oh. So you can start you at any cheat, of the four screens. If you cheat, you're only cheating yourself. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I I like modern games have become much easier and you have continues out the yin yang because you're not good enough to make it all in one shot. Back then was a different mentality. You had to earn your way to every single yeah. screen. I think John's talking within the context of a competition. Right. If you, if you poke yourself for fun, yeah. That, no, but it's, it's, it's a good point to say that modern gaming is not done that way anymore. No. Back then, it was a quarter suck. You, you were trying to get somebody to play and die fairly quickly, but not so badly that they wouldn't want to come back and think they could do better. Right. Yeah. And yeah. nowadays, it's just play ad infinitum, infinite lives, save states, and whatever else <laughs> until you finish the game. It's a totally different thing. Ken Reichert's doing his uh, Chris Farley impersonation out there. It's like, you remember that time when you interviewed Chris Latham? That was awesome. That was awesome. awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Rob Eamon, if you're out there, you did a hell of a job last week and a hell of a lot of content this week, too. Thanks, Rob Eamon. You are a superstar, sir. And Rob, if you can make a game on spotlight intro, like a fancy thing like Nick did for the game on main one, I'd love to have something like that. We can play every, every week for lead into this segment. And we also need the floppy talk episode one too. 
So are we are we wrapping this? One We're going to move that to. Oh, the no, I've, I've got more tips and tricks, yeah. but if you, I, it's yeah. up to you guys. If you guys <laughs> I have one more thing. That I, out, I have one more thing for the outro of the segment. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So Curtis is going to start his tips and tricks. Okay. So first of all, the super jump, which I have a video in my site, which I've had for years, um, which is the little technique where you can pop all the rivets vertically on the rivet screen mm-hmm. on the right hand side. Some people have said it works on the left. I briefly tried it. Maybe I just screwed it up, but it didn't work for me. Um, but basically, if you if you run from the left side of the rivet, and this works on the right side, you have to pop all the left rivets first. Otherwise, you punch them all out, and then you die. And then you run over it, and it plays a little music to give you the score. Then you either jump straight up and then just plummet straight down. Or if you didn't have the auto center joystick move back to the center in time and you actually finish the jump to the right, you can take two quick small steps or one long step. And if you try it a few times, you'll see what the difference is. And then you just jump, hold down the jump button, jump on down, then just move the joystick back left. So you jump left and then you'll actually fall through and pop all the rivets all the way down. The only way you can die doing that is there happens to be a fireball crossing over the rivet at the time. So that saves you a lot of time. Um, Techniques on the first screen, um, there's a few depending on what level of the screen you're on, like a first time through or the second or whatever. The one I favored was <coughs> basically I don't worry about the hammer on the bottom level. And I don't usually worry about the you know backwards jump where you get the bonus fireball. Though if you can do that, you obviously get more points. What I worry about is that I, I want to get up onto the very top full-size girder. And then basically just jump barrels until the timer's just about to run out and then jump. Yeah. Now, your biggest worry there, because you're basically, if you make it to that top level, uh, the only way you'll die by barrels is if you're being stupid or you hit the wrong part of the joystick, <laughs> whatever. Because basically, it's just, you can see them coming. You then There's no ladders to go down to or go over to, to dodge you. So you just keep jumping until you, you get off. The one thing you have to worry about they're is the fireball. The fireball can come up and kill you during this time. So I usually get the top hammer. And then my my main mission is to kill the fireball. I could care less if I get barrels or whatever else. So once the fireball is eliminated, you no longer have to worry about dying. And you can actually sit there. Like if you get up with 3,000 left on the timer, you can jump, you know, 30 barrels before you get, and you get your score wrapping between one to 900 per barrel. And I've had over 20,000 points just doing that, not doing any wow. other tricks in the bottom. That's good. The L equals of level flashes three times before your hammer disappears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one that some people didn't know. Um, two on that screen, I'll mention when you get to the later levels, there's some alternate patterns the barrels take. Um, you've seen like, there's the semi diagonal one, like the start one of the second, um, and then they're kind of zigzaggy, screen. zigzaggy. And there's a couple levels of zigzaggy. There's a gradual zigzag and there's a hell of a zigzag. Oh, that one's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now those, the super zigzag ones, the far left and the far right of the screens, the barrel will never go that far. So if you see it coming and you're near one of the sides, run to that side as far as you can. And it'll never hit you. So that's that's a little technique to get around that. There's also another alternate one, too, which you may not notice as easily because it looks like he's just dropping it straight down. Like he does to initially you know, launch the fireballs. <coughs> but on later levels, he'll actually throw it down twice as fast. Mm. So instead of going, doot, 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 it goes, oh. doot, 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 and it's like right down there. So that if you get one of those and you're underneath, you might get hit in the head pretty quick and not have time to react. And speaking of reactions, if you watch Kong stomping his feet, uh, when he does that, usually within three to four barrels, he's going to throw a sidewinder or, or a faster one or something like that. So you can use that as a warning. Okay, I have to watch out for this, or I might have to get to the side if I'm at a later level where I know he's going to do one of those big sidewinders. That you have a little bit of time to try to run over and, and get over. Yeah, that's an, 
that's a, the arcade does that too. That's an indication that he's angry and that he's about to throw one of those wild barrels. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the main techniques I have for the first two levels. Um, the elevator level, not too much of a technique there. The one technique I will give is that uh, when you're on the right side, that one fireball keeps coming down at you and you can't go jumping across. I know Stevie hit that quite a few times. Yeah. Um, if you walk down to the bottom one, then he has a much better chance that he'll go all the way up to the top again and give you time to run back up. But if you stay in that middle one where you're supposed to start jumping, he'll always, almost always come after you and not let you pass. So basically you have to run down, let him go up. And then once he starts going up slowly, that top ladder on the far right side, then you have time to run up and jump across and go through. Um, there's a bit of bug on the elevator level. You probably saw me doing it on some of my videos <coughs> where if you're jumping from the, the middle platform on the left side to the right elevator and you stop right where your head's just connecting with the white pole that the elevator's going up and down on, you'll instantly die. I think it misreads the white as you hit something, which has killed me a few times. So the way around that is when you jump off, keep the joystick to the right and take at least one step and then it'll eliminate that bug and you won't die. Um, if you're playing on a keyboard on an emulator, I've had tremendous problems on the far right side, like we were talking about earlier, you know, to avoid that one fireball that keeps zipping up and down that uh, I would try to run left and then jump to start going across. And instead it would fall. It wouldn't register the jump key very well. The secret on that is move to the right because you can take another step to the right after you've crawled up the ladder. And that gives you that extra step that you can actually get it to register the jump key properly. And I basically eliminated stupid deaths on my part using keyboard controls at that point. Um, so that's a good one to know too. Um, there is like, I know there was talk, the arcade game, if you have your hands hanging on the girder that the barrels will pass over you. And that definitely does not work. It actually attracts them in donkey King. Absolutely. But I have found, and I haven't quite found the exact position yet, but on the very first girder, if you go to that far right ladder and you go about literally halfway up it and stay there, all the barrels will roll down before they come down that girder. So if you need to pause to go to the bathroom or something like that, that will actually cause all the barrels. If somebody can bring up the screen, I can kind of explain it. But basically on the bottom girder on the, on the first screen or the first level, the far right ladder that's underneath where the hammer is. If you walk it up about halfway and there's a certain position where it works in a certain position where it doesn't. And I haven't quite figured out how many steps or whatever that is. But basically if you get up to the right position, when the barrels start coming down the day, you know, zigzagging back and forth, they'll always turn on the ladder towards where the fire uh, oil pit is. So they see they'll never come all the way down to the right-hand side and hit you. And you'll still die if your timer runs out, obviously. And if the fireball happens to wander over to you, it'll kill you as well. But the barrels will never come down there. Um, but I haven't quite figured out the exact positioning for that. But you can use that as kind of a pause if you need to run to the bathroom. Because there's okay. no pause in Donkey King. That's kind of like the Pac-Man hide in the corner yeah. and they'll never find you a trick. Yeah. 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 It just so buys you some point, time. At your, your big risk is just having your timer run down. Or if, you're em- I, I, if you're emulating, though, you can pause main. I think there is a pause in Donkey King. Hit, did you hit P? Yeah, I think I tried that. I don't think it works unless the king has it. Maybe I think maybe that's one of the things he added. Unless you're pausing main, I'll tell you. Hang on. Well, I'll yeah, P, and, up now. P will pause yeah, main. P, P will pause main itself. So, no, I'll try it now. I think there's one broken ladder. 
on the first level, which is safe to climb up if you need to dodge some barrels, and barrels don't seem to roll down it. Hmm. It's the one that's on the third girder, I think. Yeah. And then there's right. just gen- there's general strategies too, like on the girder screen, kind of keep an eye out for the barrels. Um, don't if you have a, a, a you know series of say three barrels coming at once, and you know there's no way you're going to be able to jump through it. Don't run under a ladder. Like stop before you get to a ladder to go up to level, because then stop more often right than not, there. one might go down that one. You jump it immediately, but the other two get spread out now because the middle one went down the first right. ladder. I saw, I've noticed that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you keep running, they'll tend to go in as a group and keep going as a group, and then you're dead. But if you stop, they tend to split up more often. So that sometimes gives you a bit of extra time. And you can see some of these techniques I actually did use on the uh, the video I put up of the of the high score. Very cool. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. I, I don't know if much of the history of the game. I mean, Chris Latham interview basically covers. Yep, P works everything on there. P works as a pause on a cocoa in, in the king. Yeah, I'm playing in, the, oh, king. the king. Okay. Ah. P pauses, enter, continues again. I think that's new. That must be new on the king. Then, it I tried to pause on. Donkey King and I couldn't. With the Are you doing it on hardware or on? Yeah, hardware? real hardware with the king. Okay. You have Donkey King there, the old version, just to see if uh, that is true that it doesn't no, work. I, well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it I'll does download not work. it and I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I then have after it, it that, Nick, work. can you do something else for us? Can you? Uh... <laughs> ah, well. Yeah, Jason's got it there. He says it doesn't work. Does not work. Okay. okay. So that it wasn't okay. Then that's one of the things that he did change between. The I don't think it works on Buzzard Bait either. <laughs> well, who cares about that one? But yeah, we just turn it <laughs> off uh, on that one. <laughs> Curtis, why would you ever want to pause the action in that game? That's why you don't need it. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. Have you ever uh, played the risque version of that game, King Dong? Yes. <laughs> Stevie actually, I think, covered it way, way back, didn't we? Yeah, a long time ago. Does anybody know who actually did that? I think somebody just hacked, uh, you know, the king. Well, I know that's what they did, but I'm not sure who did it. Who? Yeah. Because somebody actually hacking? went and had to go through and figure out where all the shape tables and stuff were. To, yeah. yeah. That's, that's no mean feat. <laughs> Whoever it was wasn't anxious to say who, that it was them. <laughs> I believe this is this where I figured check would pipe up and go, yeah, that was me when I was 14 yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had a lot of fun. I, I've not played Donkey King, you know, except to show friends quickly if they came right, over right. in years. And I did have a, that, that's not my all time high score. I had a higher one back in the club days when I was a teenager, which was more challenging because that was with a black beauty joystick. Yeah. Um, but it was in the 130s somewhere, but that was the best game I've had literally since probably like 1989 or 90 or something. So, oh, wow. Luke, there we go. 50 year old guys can reclaim their video game prowess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Viagra. That's what it's like. Right. Anybody else have anything they want to, uh, share with tips and tricks or things they liked or. Yeah, I was hoping Alan Huffman would be on here because he actually suggested a few that Stevie had tried there that yeah. worked quite well. Yes, yeah, uh, Alan was definitely a jump everything to get the points uh, strategist. Which uh, and that was the thing for me. I'm I'm used to like a few other people had mentioned. I think Stevie mentioned this too. We usually played to try to get to the furthest screen because you want yeah. to see the levels, right? Well, when you want to talk about strategy, especially with Doodlebug, 
there's a lot of strategy involved in Doodlebug when you want to pick up the uh, letters based on when the color matches what's highlighted up on the top. And the yeah, hearts. Which based on the timer, you can see which yeah. bars is going to so, be red, blue, um, or white. Yeah. The hearts are score multipliers, and you only yeah. want, you can only get them when it's white. And this was not uncommon in a lot of these video games. They designed things where you could play different ways. You could just, like uh, Galaxian, right? You could just shoot the um the bad guys but if they were in formation and you had like the the queen with the two soldiers if you got both soldiers and that queen at part of that first formation fall you got more points for killing that cluster yeah. right so there was a, a lot of things like that in video games uh like pac-man if you were able to get all four ghosts on the power pill you got increasing yeah. bonuses Four's for each team. successive one so the games would reward people who wanted to play dangerously to get bigger rewards, you know, risk reward balance. You can play quickly and eat all the dots and just keep moving, or you could play strategically for more points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was neat that those games were designed in a way that different players could take different strategies and be rewarded accordingly. You know, uh, yeah. one thing I just discovered with Doodlebug, cause I've been testing it here. Uh, we're going to it. For people who have a, a digital joystick, the doodlebug is very fussy. Uh, the stick has to be dead center. Um, anyone who's tried doodlebug, you'll see the way the, the bug moves. If you hit left, it starts moving left. If you hit right, it starts moving right. You can't stop it. You know, it keeps moving in one of There's no center dead direction. zone is what Can you, you stop That's it right. with an analog so it, has a, it has a center dead zone. Um because I find with my digital joystick, and I just tried a few, I move left. As soon as I let let it center, it kept bouncing back to the right, even though I haven't moved the stick to the right. Oh. Obviously, the dead center point is not is very fine. Yes, and or it doesn't these, have one. It might just be you're moving left or right, and that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, um, it's looking for it. It's expecting a dead center point to be a, like a neutral it'll, it'll it'll keep moving in that direction but obviously with a, a digital joystick as soon as you let go of the stick that's not the dead center point so it will reverse direction and, and, and it'll pick it up as being uh the stick has moved to the other direction hmm. it's oh yeah because there is no center on a digital. yeah well yeah. The, the, well there is a center but obviously the game's written to expect a very specific yeah. center which well, it goes zero sixty three, so it should be. Yeah. Which from what I remember, from what I remember from Doodlebug, basically zero thirty one is left, and thirty two to sixty three yeah. is right, and there is no that, center. I don't think you can yeah. stop even on the real Coco, can you? Okay, you can't stop. No, but no, um, but you know, but next thing you can't even let go of the controller. Yeah, no, you know, that's true because if you let go of the, it'll center yeah. itself back to thirty two or whatever, and that's and hard, that'll right. kick it right, and that, and that changes. And that. I noticed right. that issue too. Yeah. And honestly, I noticed because I was playing around with it, and I just wrote a routine to keep returning the value. And I again, I had I was perfectly centering it at say thirty two, and then if you just move the joystick around, it would be off by one. It would be like at thirty three or thirty one. You know, it wouldn't stay exactly on thirty two. So, yeah, it's, so Doodlebug must be looking at thirty two. If you move left. You know, for for less than thirty two, it starts moving the bug left. But if you're if you move this, if the stick at any point 
goes just past 32, it it's moves the bug in the other direction. Well, there's uh-huh. no yeah, true that, middle point. So there's no dead zone. No, in other yeah, words, there's no dead zone. They know, so you've never got to keep the stick in that position that you're moving. You can't just let go of the stick. It's like, it's like Pac-Man in the arcade because the only way you can stop is if you run into a wall. Yeah, there's yeah, no, like, I can just let go of the joystick and float and stay in my spot. You can't do that. It's the same. Right. Way. It'll keep moving. So, yeah. ter- so turning off the, the auto centering on the deluxe joystick would be a better option for that. Well, thing, I've I done that. But the thing is that the precision on the, uh, the, the deluxe joysticks, you fine tune the pots in the front. But as you play it, those settings move and it's, yeah. yeah it's not very accurate yeah he didn't whoever programmed it didn't give a, a wide enough margin in the middle of the joystick to ca- to make uh to, yeah to ca- you should leave that. in you should well, leave because in he like has no dead zone, zone he wouldn't be able to because you've only got left right or up down there's no well in, still in, so in, in a black beauty i guess you'd have no center so yeah you move your stick into the direction you want it to to go and that's the way it'll keep going yeah but yeah, on a self-centering stick, yeah, well, what's the center point? <laughs> yeah, so that's what I meant with the deluxe joystick that I turned off. For this the... game. Sorry? Sorry, Stevie? I'm trying to get to the uh, the moral of the story. Are we suggesting an analog stick is best for this game? I th- An analog well, I think it was designed for the analog stick, but if you play it with a self-centering joystick... Uh, you've got to always have the stick in the direction you want it to move. Yeah, you can't, let, let it, you can't let go of the, of the direction. Yeah, you can't start moving in one direction then let go of the stick thinking that by self It'll keep going that direction, yeah. It might, it might just it won't. pop it might, it might trigger back the other direction based on So that. digital sticks and uh, self-centering sticks both, you basically have to hold the joystick in the direction you want to go at all times. Yeah, now with the deluxe, you've got the, the you know, you can adjust the pots there for a while. In a digital stick, of course, it's it's not. You know, it, it's whatever. However, the uh, interface has been wired. Well, you're stuck with that. Well, you could put the, the, the deluxes on free floating too. That's what when I was you move just them to say. the yeah, yeah. auto centering. Yeah. So it must be a free floating joystick, is what it was designed for. Yeah, that's all. Black beauties want to know how we like them now. They're like, okay. how you like me now? <laughs> all right. That's so all. next week's challenge. <laughs> Doodlebug. Okay, I guess that pretty much wraps it up for this segment. Um, the only thing I want to say is if you have any suggestions for games you'd like us to consider for uh, the Game On Challenge, just send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk, cocotalk at live with the subject of Game On. And we'll, uh, we'd like to consider entries from the community because... And you can put them in Discord in the high screen or or high score screenshot channel. Sure, too. that's another place. All right, and so thank you very much out. for those who participated, and uh, we hope to see more this week. So thank you very much, guys. Oh, had, Bruce Moore one. just got here asking what's next week game. You want to answer that question, Nick? <laughs> yes, the game is Doodlebug. And we can spend 14 minutes explaining to you how to use your joystick if you'd like. <laughs> That'll be the short version of the story. Yeah. All right. So here's the outro, and then we'll be back with the Coco Caboose final thoughts and wrap-up show. See you guys in a few. Oh, by the way, before we do that, let's go ahead and thank our panel. Uh, our host this week, Nick Morota. Thank you very much. Our high score winner, L. Curtis Boyle. Thanks, everyone. Ooh, I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
our chat moderator <laughs> and Apple guy, Mark D. Overholzer. Glad to be here. John Lowry. Hey, hey. Brian Weasler. Hello. Our two thunders from down under, David O'Connor and Nick Morentes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Mr. <laughs> Enthusiasm <laughs> himself, Australian Elvis. Sir David Ladd. Crikey. Crikey. <laughs> Jason, the Cocoa Man record. Thanks for being here. Uh, what What's the high score on buzzard bait now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Brian, the music man, Shubing. Shubring. Hello, hello, and goodbye. And Diego. Hey, and to all of you in the live chat, including Dave and Sharon and D. Bruce Moore and Jason Bucata, mm. Rob Inman, uh, Sharon. Jason, Robert Murphy, you know, you know who you guys are. Thanks for being here. We're going to roll the outro and we'll be back here in just a minute. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because CocoTalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tanny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Cocotalk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvo, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Stegney, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Today's 
Another fine production from Robin Men. The caboose is loose. The caboose is loose. <laughs> oh, yeah. I found a little interesting tidbit of information here. Um, I noticed on Nick Moroda's screen back there, there's an ad for Donkey King. Yes. And uh, so I went and hunted down that same image on the internet, and the copyright date on it's 1982. So in 1982, they were asking $27.95 for the game, which in 2020 dollars works out to be uh, $74.72. That's like today's, a Switch game. In today's money. Like Is that how much a Switch game, game costs? Yeah. An average new game is like fifty nine ninety nine, so it's like sixty bucks for a new title on average for like an Xbox game or something. I remember wow. Super Nintendo games being fifty sixty bucks back in uh, ninety one ninety two. But well, back back NES in those games. days, I remember just empty floppy disks from Tandy cost six dollars a disc. Yeah, yeah. Back in my day, <laughs> I remember though, <laughs> and we liked it. We were buying them. We uh, loved it. What was that magazine? Uh, computer or something. Computer shopper. Computer shopper, yeah. Yeah, you could go, uh, in, if you went in there in the back, they had ads for uh, discs. If you bought them in bulk, like 100 or more, you could get a, you know, like 40 cents a piece or something like that. It was a lot cheaper. Yeah, I would go to like places like Micro Center and buy what I called the white envelope brand. Well, that's why we flipped them, right? We, we punch holes in them to use both sides. Because oh yeah, we would make a flippy disc. Flippies, yeah. With a with I actually somewhere still have a little stencil, and then you would use a paper punch and do that. Now I go, I would never do that now. But that was, <laughs> yeah, that was that was freaking great back then. But you had to be super careful. So don't stick it. Don't don't paper yeah. punch through your USB because there's a brush. like a That's dust. A, there was a thing to pick up the dust, and when you flipped it over, you reverse the direction yep. and would dump all that dust on the first side a <laughs> yep oops <laughs> yeah there was actually some companies that made this that were punched like that already yeah but i believe those did not have the dust sweepy thingy in it i would hope they wouldn't yeah, yeah. I, i'm trying to remember didn't they have the dust the, the one the flippy discs actually had a special one where had different grains going different directions for each side or something like that i can't remember the exact Probably. details that makes sense because there was official flippy discs sold, though they were far rarer than you know just a double density or double sided right. floppy. We were rebels. Dust be damned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get off, guys. Have a good Don't day. Don't dusty that All right. floppy. Yeah. All right, man. Actually, I was Hi, Rick Adams, who's joined us after the show was over. <laughs> hey, Rick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rick Adams, better late than never. Oh, Rob Inman. Rob yes, Inman. I want Rob too. Rick Adams you. is in the You're caboose. You're too kind. That's right. You, Rick Adams is on our second um, recap show. Rick, welcome. Is this a show where we talk about recapping our cocos? We talk about re- we talk about what we just talked about, and we then we talk about that. Remember um, earlier when we were talking about uh, wasn't that great? <laughs> I think we could spend some quality time discussing the minutia. Of a self-centering digital stick and how it's <laughs> a better, better yet, how, where where is everybody's uh, buzzard bait high scores now? <laughs> I'm going to get more info regarding the joystick that people will be interested in. Got half an hour? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, you just need regarding... David Ladd to explain it in full detail. If you want to hear more about joysticks, push left. If you don't, push right. <laughs> uh, no, but Unless it's a digital joypad. No, no, there's another thing. If press you want to hear the fire button down, what if you want it to stop and hold the button down, it stops moving. Oh, yeah. Oh, I so didn't know that. There you go. See, valuable. <laughs> in uh, Doodlebug. In Doodlebug. Yep. So the fire button is like Is that different uh, than it, an analog it just Stops your um your Doodlebug from moving. Oh, so that's, that's like an official. On the yes, like the brakes. Mm. Yeah, it's okay. got to be programmed in. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's actually an official feature of the game, but yeah, not many people seem to know it. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah many of us back then had manuals because we didn't buy it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And and if you'd like to hear less about this, click the X in the corner of your screen. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Rob Wait. go? There he is. Hey, Rob. Yes, sir. Great job last week, and great job with all the content with our news and our caboose and everything else, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you better give the game on segment two hours next week so we can really dig into the joystick issue. Uh, did you by any chance <laughs> catch the world premiere of uh, Deck B? I, I did. That yeah, was a good. that was, was a real that? game changer. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word you're looking for. Well, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> then this happened. Of all the commercials ever made, that was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for picking up on the poke yourself for fun comment I accidentally made there, Jason. <laughs> hey, hey, Curtis, how do you make the garbage can icon in uh, Nitrous 9 Ease of Use bigger? Switch it back to low res. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Get a bigger monitor. Put more stuff in it. It'll expand. Bit. Or have Nick, you know, Photoshop a bigger one, one of the two. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I couldn't get a bigger one. I got a 55-inch TV that I could hook my Coco to. So, uh, Nick, are you going to really take part in one of these games? Uh, me. Uh, Nick Nick did play. He played the first night that we, the, the After Dark we had. Yeah, apparently he swore even more than Stevie did and decided not yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know, it was uh, great though too. I was yesterday. I was playing and I was streaming just a Discord, and Bruce Moore was there. And then Jacob came in the room. He goes, "Oh, I remember that game." And so then Jason start Jacob started playing too. So even though it was late, the whole idea of this kind of contagion of people just wanting to play games uh, collectively, I think, is such a great idea. You know? Yeah, I was hoping Jacob would have submitted a score, but yeah. Apparently having his name read on the air was not an incentive enough. <laughs> that and a nickel will get you right on the subway. Yeah. So Rob, I mean, you guys really are giving me a lot of inspiration. Oops. Oops. Oh, he froze. Oh. I thought that was me again. That's what you were doing before, Nick. <laughs> this yeah. inspiration. Dramatic pause. Inspir- dramatic <laughs> pause. Okay. I'm back. Yep. I'm uh, back. So- um, you were telling me about how I inspire you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are the wind beneath his wings? So enough about you, more yeah. about me. So I'm trying a variation of what you guys done. You and Mark Bosley have done this. I've got myself in the Zoom panel. In the panel, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I thought that worked out well. 
That's better than you hidden down at the bottom. Like, what's Stevie doing? I can't see. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Postage stamp Stevie. I just hope it translates to the stream well. I won't really tell how good it is till I hear the playback. So. Well, we can see you better. I don't think it can be any worse. (laughs) Stevie. (laughs) Yes, David. Can I have a sharing moment? Sharing is caring, Uh, David. Just remember, at this point in time. You guys are cutting into my dinner time. So, yeah, so. <laughs> okay. Okay. First thing, have you, cons- have you already asked your physician? Is it one of those kind of questions? <laughs> okay. Uh, Curtis, you know, that question you asked earlier. Can you be less vague? <laughs> I'll just see if something of a sensitive nature. Well, Curtis, take a look. Oh, oh there oh. you go. Is that a Lego piece? It is a Lego piece. Yeah, a Lego piece for the bottom. The tab of the for the uh, for the. It's, uh, it's a the bender locks. the robot's head. Locks. Bite my shiny metal. <laughs> yeah, did I you, need two of those. Did you locate that uh, STL or did you just create it? I didn't create it, but a member of the community has created it, and I'm sure right. he will be letting someone know about it. Okay, Strangely so that's enough, the. Uh, is it going to go up on uh, Thingiverse? I have no idea. I gotta just. I'm. I'm just showing you what's been posted to me so far. Oh, this is an insider um, peek. Yes, because he's two hours behind on the show at the moment. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Well, that's all. So, so and it's he, not he me for quit. once. He should quit while he's behind. Yeah. So <laughs> have he, him finish he, he the whole rest Curtis's. of the joystick, and we can just print our own joystick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You okay. know that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, it's time I'm, for another edition of kinda, Good Idea, Bad Idea. I'm kind of half serious about it. Yeah, half serious. You could, that could be done. You know, the, you the geometers are probably, you know, off the shelf parts that you. Man, can, probably. I mean, what yeah. about um, and din plugs and cable mm-hmm. and I've got know, a good idea. Wires. I know you can buy din plugs and cable still. Believe me, I know. What's your idea, Stevie? <laughs> I'm going to buy a 3D printer. Then I'm going to 3D print all the parts to build the 3d printer return it and get a full <laughs> refund <laughs> even though it's saying you can 3d print additional parts for your 3d printer exactly. I, I 3d printed uh, uh the way the cable feeds was kind of poorly designed so somebody made a, a like a little part that you could add on to it that guides the cable a little bit better so i printed it out and added it to my 3d printer so absolutely you could improve uh, 3d printers with creating and printing 3d parts for it i mean that's so what you should make the very minimal parts you need for a 3d printer as a printer and then when you bring it home it prints the rest of itself this is starting to sound like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy this is the second best 3d printer <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. to be made best you really me. need to find the radio play ones if you don't find them let me know stevie because i actually have the copies of them i, no, well, I have a pretty low they? end i have a pretty low end 3d printer it was only like a hundred and 30 bucks or something. It wasn't very expensive at all. Yeah. But, it, but it does print pretty nice, you know, th- uh, prints for what I paid for it. Yeah, it's starting to sound yeah. a bit like uh, Star Trek with, with, with replicators. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone from 3D printers to actual, you know, well, tricky we the output <laughs> into the pattern buffer and we realign the uh, <laughs> photon. Change the dilithium matrix. Can totally be done. Shift the phase by so, 0.03 degrees. Yeah. You know, I've made a bunch of clocks that I used to sell in Second Life. 
And so I took one of the models for my clocks and then I three three D printed it, and it was like the the inverse of Tron. It's, it's like instead of bringing yeah, taking something from the grid out into the real world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, for anybody that's in into D and D, that's what a lot of people do. Um, and there's a company that's started up that uh, they made a service called Hero Forge where you can design your characters, they'll make them for you, or you can pay their service. You download the STL and you can print your model yourself. Okay. So, um, but as far as the printer stuff, I've been, I received a, a 3d printer and um, I've been going for like the last week printing all of the, um, Upgrades for it. chain assemblies, fan blower. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. um, that is pretty cool. Um, Bruce Moore and Jason Bucata. By the way, Jason is a patron. Thank you for your patronage, Jason. And so is Bruce for that matter. Um, they're mentioning the whole game on idea. We don't want to discourage people who maybe aren't super game talented to not want to play so it's not just about getting the best score it's really about just getting together and and playing right getting on your cocoa having fun with your cocoa having a collective experience um we will recognize those who got good scores but the score is secondary this whole communal experience of having fun of our cocoa for the week is really the the goal agreed it really showed this week I That's why today we read through the whole list of people first yeah. who had enough the alpha order, and yeah. then we focused on the top ten. Yeah, and, and if you we'll, help, we'll acknowledge everybody who participates each week. And if you if need it becomes read- too many to read, we can put a screen up that says "Here are all the people who participated this week." Yeah, like yeah. when it becomes that you know so popular that yeah, pause video right here and you can read all of them. <laughs> and if you need help rage quitting, Stevie's here to help. Absolutely. <laughs> I need play for the prize money. Classes later. <laughs> the prize money. I believe that's right. a division by zero error. Yes. It's a, it's a free copy of uh, Nightmare Highway. We should make Nightmare Highway the game one week. Yeah, we should. That's okay, that's okay Bruce. Uh, I think uh, Grant Lady got a, a 0.0 also. So. Yeah. So yeah. When, um, when I first heard the early stages of this pitch, when he first started talking about it, I think he kind of pitched it as like the Oprah book club like here's the book i read this week or here's the book i want you to read this week and the coco version of that so i started thinking along the lines of um let me find a really obscure coco game like a hidden gem or an overlooked title and maybe just do a brief review of that each week and show somebody a game they maybe didn't know existed or maybe didn't consider playing and let yeah, or, me give you or, a little reason to maybe give it a look at you know so i'll try to yeah. include some content like that each week too when i have time Especially if it's a dragon game. We haven't yeah, heard of a, a lot of those. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to find more of those dragon games that were converted to Cocoa. Like, I haven't played any of those. Willie's Warehouse is what Ken's <laughs> thrown out. Depending how the game was written on the dragon, you might not have to change anything. Yeah, yeah. that one program that, that yeah, Willie's Warehouse ran perfectly on a Cocoa 2. I guess we can always play them in X-Roar as well. But. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If if it's if it's joystick driven, it usually will work straight through. If it's keyboard driven and uses ROM calls, it'll work straight on the Coco. If it uses direct PIA reads, then it will likely you know remap keys on you. Yeah. Mm. 
Hey, uh, Rick, is there anything you want to share with us? What, what you've been working on at all? Or? Uh, I just, life has been happening. And so uh, uh, I haven't been doing much of anything other than uh, on Temple of Ram, I'm going through the source very slowly and, and finding parts of the code that I don't understand what it does and figuring out what it does and improving the comments and, uh, you know, yeah. just sort of having a nostalgia blast. Of, Scratching oh, your head and saying, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> right. This is what I, I did 40 years this, ago. I'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, it's from a disassembly, so there are no comments. Right. So any comments, I have to add them all. So I have to figure out, all right, what is this code doing here? And originally when I started, uh, the, you know, the disassembler isn't perfect. Uh, it does come up with uh, something that you can uh, compile and build, and it'll make, uh, you know, an exact copy of Temple of Ram. But uh, there were places where uh, there would be uh, data that would be disassembled as instructions, but it wasn't really the instructions. And so I'd have to figure out, oh, this is not actually a bunch of crazy instructions that do nothing uh, normal. This is actually the data for draw, how to draw the bat, say. So yeah, like uh, a data table. Yeah. So, and then I would redo that part of the source to, to look more like this is the data of the bat. And, and as a matter of fact, I have a comment that says, here is the bat exclamation mark. <laughs> I've been looking for it. It's like, where's the data for how you draw the bat? I can't see it anywhere. Oh, here it is. Okay. So I was all excited when I found that. So you never, you never had the original, you didn't keep the original source code. Uh, no, it was on three 20 minute uh, uh, audio cassettes. And those are lost to the snows of yesteryear, long yeah, ago. Yeah, I, I probably threw them out. You know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it cassette. Was, it was <laughs> yeah, unbelievable, but true. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm just going through the source and finding, you know, oh, this is a subtlety I didn't know about, uh, or I, I'm I'm still finding bugs that were in the uh, original game that Tandy and I never uh, figured out. Uh, for example, if you shoot the laser straight up, uh, it will end, it'll stop drawing the laser one pixel short of the status area. Uh, that was a, like the latest bug that I found. And then I fixed it. So it was just a, it was just a branch that was, you know, a branch of higher and instead it should have been branch of higher or same or something. Oh, like that. the one off errors. Those are the worst. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm uh, adding stuff. I've added two new monsters. I've expanded the maze uh, quite a bit. Uh, I have a way, uh, uh, overly technical way, that, uh, of people can generate uh, uh, levels for it. Uh, but uh, so the next, the next thing I'm thinking of now is: Do I want to add uh, keys and gates to it? Uh, like you have keys, then you have doors that are locked and you have to have the key to get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure that I want to do that, but I'm looking at how I would do that if I did. So I, I, that's that's the first step to the madness is, you know, how would I do it if I chose to do it? So uh, to do that, I have to look at uh, what, what order are things drawn in and why did I uh, draw it that way? For example, I found out that uh, uh, the portals are drawn last. Uh, you draw uh, the you know the 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 laser 
you draw the player as he's running around and then you draw the portals. And I'm like, well, why did I do that? So then I changed it. So that the portals were drawn just before the, uh, just before the laser was. And, uh, then I, all of a sudden I found out if you shoot the laser at a portal, it stops at the portal and explodes. Um, and so I put it back the way that it was. And so if you shoot a port at a portal, it'll pass through the portal, but it goes, if you look very carefully, it, it goes behind the portal, which is sort of a cosmetic glitch, but I don't see an easy way around it. And no one's really noticed all these years. So I, I don't really care a whole lot. So I just put it back the way that it was originally and, and it'll just stay that way for now. Hmm. So extreme trivia. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool stuff though, because it's, it's stuff you haven't worked on for, you know, forever. And, uh, you know, like Chris Latham, people were asking Chris Latham questions the other day. Oh, I know. <laughs> about uh, Donkey King. And, uh, and he's like, you're asking a 60 year old guy about something he did 40 years ago. Nine thirty seven. when you put this, what did you mean? Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's official. The uh, Donkey King or the King is harder than the actual Donkey Kong. Really? I just Wait, put it- Donkey Kong in the the Coco Three, uh, the John Kowalski's, and the first game I got to the uh, elevators and platforms. It was much oh. easier than what I was doing with the King. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've always yes. known the king is harder than the you real. You just need to practice more, Nick. Let's just be honest here. No, he's right. He's absolutely right. The real yeah, Donkey Kong go. is a lot easier. Curtis, you're gonna be, you're gonna have to start playing with with your opposite hand on the Black Beauty all games. That's one of the problems with these uh, with these with the first uh, you know eight bit arcade games. They were made you know with a certain level of difficulty, but they quickly learned that. You know, people would become expert, and they could put a quarter in and play for three hours on a quarter uh, because the the games weren't hard enough. And that's why uh, that company out there was making those boards, those modification boards, to make the uh, games faster and harder to play. Well, there are dip switches you could use to adjust all kinds of stuff, right? Right. There's a, adjustments usually like number of players or how many quarters per play, uh, stuff like that. Uh, if there are there free was a, lives. There was a company out there that um, developed, they call them speed-up boards. They would generally make the game run faster. Um, and then they also started getting into hacking. They, as a matter of fact, they made what turned into Ms. Pac-Man. Uh, Midway yes, or Namco yes. did not make Ms. Pac-Man. Yeah. They hacked Pac-Man and turned it into this weird Pac-Man with this little flag on its head. Pac-Man Plus. Yeah, and then that oh, the eventually same people who got, did Miss, I didn't know that. Yeah, the same people who did Miss Pac-Man, uh, Pac-Man Plus did Miss Pac-Man. They wound up taking it to Nam uh, to Namco, uh, and Namco wound up uh, having them convert it, and they worked with them, and then ultimately, what came out of it was Miss Pac-Man, and that was a mod. To you would go to a Pac-Man unit, and you would modify the you know pull the ROMs and put the uh, the new ROMs in, and change right. the marquee and put new graphics on the side and now you got a Ms. Pac-Man machine. Well, Ms. Pac-Man was a better game. Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there were, and there were a whole bunch of modification boards for arcade games because they just weren't hard enough. Uh, they, uh, they misjudged the skill level of the people who play the games. Or there would be some sort of a uh, 
bugs that let people exploit them. Like, or yeah, bugs that you can exploit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's cool. Cool. Well, I just added a nice little caboose image here to the scene. There's <laughs> the Coco Talk yeah, caboose. I was admiring that. your caboose. <laughs> hey, hey. That's, that sounds gay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, one more, one more thing, guys. Yes. Uh, so, just for the total lark, I just added. Uh, uh, if you have a uh, what do you call it, the, the memory board, the uh, uh, shoot, it just dropped out of my head. Uh, the Richard boomerang, the Esky board, the boomerang. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got the cute little LED, right? So, uh, in Temple of Ram two, when you shoot your laser, the LED lights up white. You know, boom, boom, boom. Oh, there you go. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool uh, little effect. No big, yeah, yeah, no, no big deal. But just, just for a lark, I put that in. Okay, that's all I got. Yeah, I think we heard. That's cool. There was it's a like rumor a, you were going to do augmented, that. augmented reality. There, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Why not use it? You know. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to get into uh, onto. Uh... Uh, Discord and download that documentation. I meant to do that during the week, but I ran out of time working on a video edit for another project I was working on. So. I didn't Other realize things. that the boomerang had that LED on it. Mm, multicolor. Now the box art can say immersive gameplay. Immersive. We'll be supporting the LED in the later version of Nitrous 9, too. So. Yeah, that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie, yeah. you sounded very enthused by that news. No, no, no. Well, listen, Deck B gives you it's direct a access. It's a little lot to add to the board, but it's... <laughs> Deck B. Deck B gives you direct access. Bare metal. Bare metal performance. Yeah. Bare metal. Hey, metal, that's an Apple thing. <laughs> Back in the day, it was like driving a shift uh, shift versus deck. A- deck B is actually short for decadent basic, so that's everything. <laughs> deck B. Decrement, decrement B. Yeah, that was definitely inspired <laughs> by com- you know Rob's commercials and like some of uh, Nightmare Highway. You know, like all the fake features, like direct access to your floppers. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you did uh, the DIR as the highlighted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, reverse video. That yeah. was funny. I actually did Maybe laugh out loud do here. like a spoof on the <laughs> Nike one, too, and say, just dur it. <laughs> uh, just dur it. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> did you put that together, Stevie? I did that last night, yeah. Yeah. That's, good job. Thank you. <laughs> mm. Inspiration, man. Where yeah. This show has become so cool because we're getting all this content and all these ideas from all these people you know it's like that i say the sum of the whole is greater than the parts or yep oh, something to do with somebody's hole i don't remember but yeah <laughs> <laughs> the synergy I don't know, that when you put that when you poke the game first yes <laughs> or poke yourself for fun oh, yeah Robert <laughs> that <laughs> shirt that says just dirt it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's a good shirt. I like that. Yeah. Well, I'd like to go have dinner soon. So you guys want to restart this and do an after talk, but I'm going to have to press the button pretty soon. Yeah, I'm actually. Yeah, I'm I'm getting hungry myself here. I will mention I just got a notification from Twitch that uh, 
Boat is going to be doing a live stream here, and he's doing uh, some Neo Geo stuff too in ZX Spectrum stuff, but he's also going to do a Doodlebug high score attempt already. Okay. Oh, Who, well. Who's, who's going to do that? Boat from the Boat. Amigos Retros. It's either Boat or Aaron. I'm not sure which one actually, just says Amigos Retro Gaming, but yeah. You want to post oh. the link in the uh, YouTube oh. chat so I see people Amigos Retro know how to get there? Yeah, let me just grab the link here. All right, folks, I'm out of here. All right. Thanks, guys. Great show. Thanks, Thanks, Nick Moreno, for hosting. Oh, thank you for uh, asking me to. It's really fun. I hope I, I I hope I do okay. Okay, it is it is boat. I just verified. I just got the stream going. So all right, and thanks, yeah, we Rob. Don't need a hangry Stevie. Yeah, Rob. Thanks for all your content. Your production values are stellar, sir. Ah, oh, crap! Did I already close my <laughs> chat? Oh no, there it is. We're still <laughs> streaming, right? We're still streaming. Yeah. Waiting on Curtis to figure out how to copy and paste here. He's so used to doing an inefficient operating system that these modern people are. It's like the old Dennis Doss commercials. Really silly Mac stuff, Curtis. You need to get your, uh, your, your cocoa out and start running Nitrous <laughs> 9 for the show. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I posted the link. There you go. Thank All you, right. sir. Final words, Curtis Boyle? Um... Watch boat. <laughs> okay. Let's Marco see if he Overholz. swears as much as Stevie. Marco, Marco horses on the phone. Final words, Nick Marota. I have a piece of advice for you. If you're feeling blue, hit F1 and reset, and then you'll be red. Hey. Oh. I like that. Hey, that's good. I almost thought we were going to do like a groovy kind of love there for a second. <laughs> um, uh, David O'Connor, final thoughts. Oh, I always get stuck on final thoughts, so I'm going to uh, pass the final <laughs> thoughts. I want to just say thank you to everybody for being with us every week and uh, having fun. It's a blast. I love it. Likewise. It's like having a blast with a new math tutor. Uh, <laughs> David Ladd, final thoughts. Everybody, just respect each other and embrace the warming welcome of the community. This is a dawning of the age of a <laughs> Jason Reichard, final thoughts. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and fire up buzzer bait lately for my game <laughs> challenge. You're becoming my favorite bait. person. I'm going to fire up Fangman. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Marentes. Ah, uh, yes. I've just been playing Doodlebug in the uh, Coco 3 color version. It looks good there. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, there is. That's right. I forgot to mention. There's an RGB, RGB patched Coco Three version of that. Okay. Yeah, with um, which is not oh, on yeah, the SDC card that. by default. The I've SDC seen card that, does uh, not include those. But yeah, the 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 version that uh, we put together has got better colors. Oh, I thought you meant. The, okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway, they, that's all my thoughts. Okay. I forgot um, you guys did. That's good. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna use that one. Rick Adams, final thoughts. You'll go far, Fletcher. You'll go far. <laughs> oh, you kind of sound like him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See you at Coco Fest. You could be a voiceover artist. Oh, oh where was Rick oh, back then? Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Yeah, I'm out of here. Rob Emin, you have the final, final thought. You can play Doodlebug on the Deck B operating system. <laughs> <laughs> Just Available dirt. now. All right. We're pressing the button. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.